ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 87 of the Whatever Show. We have a whole bunch of stuff. I say that every episode, but we have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about this. Most notably, we have seen Wonder Woman now. Um, the pair of us, we've seen Wonder Woman. We're going to talk about that in depth. Um, we've got all kinds of uh, news surrounding Wonder Woman. We're going to talk about two. Um, we have a Black Panther trailer, which is looking pretty awesome. Yep, yep, not yep. going to lie. Looks pretty rad. Um, we've got a whole bunch of other stuff. Tomb Raider. We, we, we've been playing Tomb Raider, and we talked about that on the last part. We got a little bit of an update there. Um, and and I've been walking around my house just yelling shit into the air, and stuff's happening. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And uh, you know, we've got Trump Watch this week, too. Um, I think that's going to be a regular segment on the show until uh, he stops being a dipshit. So forever. Um, Ooh, you got a wiretap? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, right yeah. on. Um, so we're going to talk about all that in just a few minutes. Stick around. Trump Watch 2017. For anybody interested, not to worry, he is playing golf this weekend. Oh, yeah. No, I was really worried for a second that we weren't, uh, uh, ha- you know, Trump wasn't getting enough relaxation time, um, yeah. you know, having only spent $67 million on golfing trips uh, as of, uh, you know, six months. Is it up to $67 million now? That's the figure I, I heard um, uh, uh, earlier this uh, today. I know I know. leading up to the closure of Mar-a-Lago, it was like $27 million. Yeah, it was, it's, it's a lot. I mean... Um, I think it for may the, be more season, now obviously. because they didn't close it permanently. But, he's going yeah. to places where he has to pay, you know, not just all of his secret service have to pay for. Um, no, n- definitely no conflict of interest there. He's got to go to Mar-a-Lago that he owns and then have the government foot the bill um, for all of the secret service members and his various uh, um, members of his, his, you know, cabinet and whatever to stay at his privately owned hotel. No conflict. No conflict there. I, yeah. I don't see what's wrong. Yeah, with I don't that. I don't I don't see a conflict there at all. Yeah. Um, but no, it's sixty-seven uh, million dollars is the figure I'd heard, and or something like his twenty-fourth uh, golf weekend. Um, which, for those of you playing the home game, is uh, y- y- your most avid golfers are probably around there, and uh, they're not the president of the United States who has vocally uh, uh, um, gone on record against former presidents um, for having gone golfing, you know, like twice a year. You know, I made this argument with somebody who was advocating that it's okay and then i was like how is it okay that he's spending this much time and they're like well he's not playing 18 holes and i'm like does does that really matter like at the end of the day does that really matter yeah yeah so i mean he's not playing 18 holes so it's just you know and i don't know for anybody who's ever traveled it's it's still like it's going to turn into a whole day i'm pretty sure that's just because his doughy ass doesn't have the stamina to play 18 oh no yeah i would near guarantee Yeah. yeah Like even with a golf cart involved, like he's got to walk it. And this know, is coming, the, the, coming from a fat guy. Like, yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. We're not making fun of doughy ass people. We're just saying, like, when you're the president and you've gone on again, when you when you're the world's largest hypocrite, uh, literally the d- definition of a hypocrite. Uh, um, it, it's maybe a little bit poignant to point out at this point. So. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway. That's, anything that's else Trump on Trump Watch? Watch? No, I don't. We, we should briefly mention the whole Comey thing. Oh man. No. Oh man. Yeah. Trump, Trump saying, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd totally testify th- uh, that uh, Comey's lying. Well, one of those two people then will have lied under oath. And is it uh, uh, Jim Comey or is it Donald Trump? Uh, I don't know. Who's got the track record of, of truthfulness there? I mean, hmm. huh. I mean, hmm. here's the thing. I've never been a big fan of Comey anyway. 
I mean, after the Hillary debacle, not most of America wasn't. So. Doesn't doesn't really matter like which side of things you're on. Like uh, Comey just probably wasn't the best choice for FBI director. But um, that guy didn't have any problem just sitting down and being like, uh, "No, this is why I believe I was fired." And you know what? I guess if we got an independent investigation out of it, wasn't all bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing the thing that has been repeatedly said about Comey at, at this point is that he is incredibly diligent in crafting his memos. Usually, when he thinks that um, there's a reason for that coming up, so when he's documenting all of these different interactions with Trump, um, that you know that those have a lot of credibility, and secondarily that he is unfl- unfailing or almost failingly honest to a, uh, to a point. So um, I don't know. One of those people is going to be. You know, assuming Donald Trump does testify, one of those people will be committing perjury. Um, I'll let I'll leave it as uh, as an exercise to the audience uh, to figure out which. Hey, old chum. Ooh. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about it. Tell me about it. This is a tough one, guys. Yeah, this is this this hits a little close to home, I think, for a lot of us, uh, especially listeners of the show. Um, unfortunately, Adam West passed away this week at the age of eighty-eight. Yeah, um, that cave got a little smaller this week. It did. It, it's uh, you know, it's sad because uh, number one, um, he's an iconic uh, character, uh, or he played you know one of the mo- most iconic characters uh, probably of, of this century, um, or the last century, I should say, um, and. He was just by all accounts a wonderful human being. Like, there's nobody that's come out and said, well, that one time Adam West, you know, uh, didn't tip well or something like that. Everybody's come out and said Adam West was uh, an almost, um, uh, you, you know, the perfect human, uh, just constantly uh, uh, nice to everybody who was around and just bringing everybody's spirits up. So it's a total bummer. Yeah. Um, and for a lot of us, he was our first Batman. Uh, uh, yeah, for before sure. Before I could for read sure. comic books. Uh, you know, one of the one of the TV channels used to rerun in the mornings on weekends uh, the George Reeves Superman and, and the Adam West Batman series. Yep. Uh, and I used to watch those. God, I had to get up at like six in the morning on a weekend to watch them sometimes, too. But I would do it just because I that was when I could watch Batman. I totally uh, remember watching reruns of Batman before I actually went and never saw anything else Batman related. Yeah. You know, this is before 89 Batman came out. Even yeah. I remember watching reruns of uh, um Adam West is Batman. So, um, and it gave us some tropes, I think, or there's a lot of tropes that, that, uh, you know, we've obviously morphed and changed quite a bit since then, but, uh, you know, it's the first Batmobile, um, the, the, the Batcave and, you know, it was the first on-screen Batcave and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the, the Batpole to the Batpole, um, quickly the, Robin. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, um, I don't know. This is a bummer for me. I will say, you know, like this isn't like a Cornell level. Like I'm, I'm super, super broken up. This is just a, especially you know because obviously this isn't exactly untimely. I mean, he was eighty eight. He was eighty eight. Yeah, uh, but it is still pretty fucking sad. So what was what was? I, I think this probably. Um, and and I, I'm there's probably going to be some people that are sounding off in my ear about how I'm wrong about this, but. Uh, Adam West passing away, I think, probably actually affects a more diverse group of people and a larger group of people, um, just because not only was he the 1966 Batman, um, but he uh, was also the mayor of Quahog. Yeah. If you're a Family Guy fan, which a lot of people are, you know, there's there's just certain things that uh, that he's known for doing. the The most impressive thing about Adam West, though, is whereas a lot of actors of his time were extremely, extremely proud people. And I'm not saying he wasn't proud, um, but they would have taken a role like this, made a 
bit of money doing it and then chucked it out the window and tried to bury it when they were done and, and move on to something else. Adam West embraced his role as, as Bruce Wayne slash Batman and carried it with him until the day he died. Literally. I saw so. this actually really funny post, um, kind of along the, uh, along those lines, Adam West, I guess in his local phone book, if you looked up, uh, Batman, it would see, it would say, see, see crime fighters. And then you would go to crime fighters and it would say, uh, uh see Bruce brain, Bruce Wayne billionaire, which went then would redirect you to Batman. Um, so this is obviously going back a while because we're talking about a phone book here, but, uh, yeah, yeah funny stuff, funny stuff. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, uh, aren't big fans of the Joel Schumacher directed uh, Batman Forever or Batman and Robin because it got really cheesy and campy. But you can tell when you watch those movies that Schumacher was a huge, huge fan of the 1966 Batman. Um, and there's little things that he tried to work in to do that. You know, when he uh, when Robin washes up at the 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 enemy base at the end of Batman <laughs> yeah. Forever, he's like, holy rusted metal Batman. You know, that was that was straight out of, of a 66 Batman episode. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you have the Bat credit card. Yeah. The infamous Bat credit card from Batman and Robin. And, you know, without the 1966 Batman, um, we didn't have that kind of levity or anything like that. And I'm not a proponent of those movies. No. You know, for sure. But, like, there's a certain amount of respect I can give Schumacher just for being willing to try and pay homage to something like that in a, in a blockbuster film, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, there's better ways to have done it. Like the Holy Rusted Metal Batman thing that, that didn't bother me. Actually, I thought that line was kind of funny. Yeah. The bat credit card was way over the limit though. Um, yeah. the problem with those movies, you, wait, if, what do you mean? He's if you over want to, the limit. Yeah. He's a billionaire. Oh shit. Um, the problem with those movies, I think are in relation to the, the two that preceded them. So when you talk about, um, yeah. 1989 Batman and of course, Batman returns, um, the, the, those just don't fit. So, yeah. um, yeah, but that, that is not to say that I don't think that, um, we, we cannot, uh, um, pay homage to Adam West's Batman. Uh, th- there are certainly ways to do that. And I, I just thought that those movies were crap, may- mainly. So, yeah, no, they um, were. but yeah, th- those are totally, <laughs> those are totally like, I, I do kind of, you know, like I got to give him credit for having the balls to try to do that because th- those, um, the, the two properties, um, couldn't be more different. Um, so, yes. But yeah, um, so Adam West, amazingly cool dude. There's a lot of people I think that are going to, um, I guess, eulogize better than I will. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time yeah. personally doing it. Kevin, uh, Kevin Smith than, posted a really touching thing on his yeah. Instagram and uh, Garmin has posted a couple of things at this point. Garmin, um, Garmin, Ralph Garmin, um, if you don't know, uh, another... Um, huge fan of adam west in fact he's probably adam west's biggest fan having you know actually been involved in the campaign to get adam west a star on the hollywood walk of fame so pretty much single-handedly got him that star because you know if you don't know how the hollywood walk of fame works like yeah they'll they'll give you a star um but then you have to pay for it and adam west just wasn't wasn't willing to do that and so um not only did garmin uh lead a big campaign to get him that star but also did a lot of fundraising stuff yeah. Uh, to to do it to pay for it so that was he he actually got to induct him and and which is, is a pretty huge honor yeah um meant a lot to his family too so uh yeah it's it's not been a, a good week for for bat fans i mean even if even if you thought 1966 batman was campy which it was but i mean yeah but it was fine like when you embrace that like if you if you want to do a campy thing and, and you're like it purposefully doing that go for it um it, a lot of those times those things are awesome like i still like that series um yeah it just it's not the same you know series we're getting today it's well fine. and there wasn't a ton of content out there for people that like batman or superman or anything like that you have the george Reeves superman series mm-hmm. and and then that was it for a, a while and then you had the 1960s batman and you know there's an argument to be made for like green hornet and whatnot but 
Yeah. Um, when it comes to comic book superheroes, like you had two shows at one point. Yep. And n- they weren't running concurrently. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> well, it's a vastly different time then too. Like the, those were not the days when people were taking comic book properties seriously. Um, yeah. And even comic books, though, the comic books were a vastly different uh, um, medium at that point, too. So, yeah, the, the comic books themselves were a tad bit uh, more. There was there was more brevity. Yeah, for sure. Levity. 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 Probably. Yeah, brevity. They were brevity actually longer. Yeah. They, they were actually Levity's longer funny. than they were now. Yeah. Levity is good. Um, so, yeah, it is definitely with a heavy heart that we say farewell, old chum. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I can't follow that. So. Um, let's talk, uh, the meat and potatoes this week is of course, Wonder Woman. Uh, Matt just got back from seeing it this afternoon. I have seen it twice now. I saw it, uh, opening weekend and then I went and saw it again this last week. Um, and we got a lot to say about it, but before we do that, we do want to cover, uh, some stu- stupid pieces of news, uh, 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 previ- before that. So, uh, Alamo Drafthouse. Um, if you're from Texas, you immediately know who I'm talking about because the Alamo Drafthouse is probably one of the better theaters in the whole state. There's, um, there's Alamo Drafthouses outside of the state of Texas as well these days. Yeah, and, um, and that's good because that's always one of the things that I hear from people people from Texas saying, you know, if we could export one thing, it'd be Alamo. So um, I, I, I like the idea of an Alamo Drafthouse. We have similar things here um, where you can go and, and order a beer and a meal and watch a movie and whatnot. Uh, yeah, they're, but they're also movie fans too. Like they will straight kick you the fuck out if you do not turn off your cell phone. Yeah, like yeah, uh, that's, um, which, that's that's the thing is they they want it to be a fun, uh, sociable event, but don't fucking text during a movie because they're yeah. But they want to also enjoy like, the films. So uh, there's a lot of cool things that the Alamo Draft House has, has done that I, I won't go into incredible length here. But one of the things that it did uh, that's been somewhat controversial is they decided to hold a women only screening of Wonder Woman. Um. Of Which, course. By the way, we're huge proponents of. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I looked at this and I was like, cool, go yeah. for it. You know, I was like, yeah. well, uh, I, as a white male, have gotten, you know, exclusive access to dozens of things for the last, you know, few millennia. Uh, if women want to have a one, one time only screening of Wonder Woman, go for it. You know, like, yeah. I don't, you know, uh, um, you know, there was a, there is a small code, a small bit of argument here in saying, you know, like, well, it's a public business and there's laws and stuff they have to uphold and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, but we're, we, we want to follow the spirit of the law, or at least for me, it's like, it's follow the spirit of the law. This isn't a clear case of like discrimination or anything like that. No. Uh, this is like, just don't be a dick about it. We're not and, saying that men can't come see the movie. We're saying that this one special showing is going to be for moms to bring their daughters to and, be yeah. able to enjoy a comic book movie without sitting next to me and Eddie or anybody else that Ed variably at some point is going to be like, well, it's pretty good, but it kind of fell off here because in the comic books it's like this or whatever. Like, it's not even that. I, I think, I, I mean, it was a little bit tongue in cheek to begin with. The, the whole concept, I think, was a little bit tongue in cheek. Um, but the, the main thing here is like, um, this is sort of a, a feminist, uh, um, I guess cornerstone, not not necessarily cornerstone, but this is certainly definitely going to be a big. When we talk about you know like when did the the human race finally start to figure out equality, um, this will be one of the things that maybe is a footnote somewhere at least. Um, probably there's going to be bigger deals than movies, but um, and so you know having a woman only screening, it's like you know who who really cares like th- there's not really you know it wasn't discrimination like they're deciding that you're not going to be able to um, you know ever see it if you're a man or something like that it's just yeah this one showing i i really kind of feel like though that you know to my original point there's a certain uh contingent of of women and kids that 
don't necessarily feel comfortable going to see comic book movies necessarily because they're the comic book movies to date have not been geared toward them and whatnot. And I feel like Wonder Woman's a perfect movie to to do this and be like, hey, you know what? Let's do a screening that's just women and let them be let them come to watch a movie in an environment that they feel comfortable watching it in without having to worry about whether or not they know the backstory or anything else. Because there's a lot of women that are going to come see this movie or take their daughters to see the movie um, that aren't huge comic book fans, but are big fans of the fact that this movie is making history. Yeah. You know? I'm and not- they want to be part of that without being feeling like they're they're less than or excluded from it because they don't necessarily understand the source material or whatever. Well, we we talked about this kind of joke that was floating around last week, I think, when we talked about Wonder Woman. was There was like this uh, meme kind of like... Um, uh, the, the joke was so, somewhere along the line of like, uh, I think maybe the onion wrote it. Um, and they said like, uh, white male, very afraid that if his movie doesn't succeed, no white males will get a shot to direct again. Yeah. Uh, which is obviously not a thing that happens, but this is like the, the stakes that are writing on. Jesus, how World. many movies is Zack Snyder directed? Yeah. Now? So when we're talking about equality and stuff like that, like that's the basis from which we have to go to, um, there, um, are definitely significant areas where women just are not uh, treated as equal in this country. This is a very good example of that. Like th- there's been all this and like, Oh, well, little boys don't want to see uh wonder what, you know, a female protagonist. And they're so fucking wrong. I've got a seven year old little boy who thought wonder woman was fucking rad. So, um, he totally dug the whole movie, um, liked it. He, he came out of the theater and goes, when I grow up, I'm going to be wonder, wonder man. And, like, I know that there's a comic book character, but that's not he was, what he was doing. Uh, he didn't know he, that. He was just yeah. saying, like, obviously, I'm not going to be a woman, but uh, Wonder Woman kicked so much ass, you know, like, he, he looked up to that character immediately. So, you know, we're, we're just on a on footing where there's not equality here. And so for a little bit of, uh, you know, for women wanting to have a little bit of a crack at a chance at, you know, taking some of that back. Uh, or, you know, feeling if for a man for a second, you were like, oh, shucks, I can't go to a movie this one fucking specific time. Uh, you felt that little bit of like, oh, man, that's not really fair. Well, welcome to, you know, what women have felt like for the past, you know, several millennia. Yeah. Um, the article that we linked in here actually has a letter written to the mayor of Austin. Oh, and, God. And this, the mayor's I response is, is beautiful. So yeah. I'm not going to really go into it on the show, but you, it's it's worth the read. Yeah, I, I will say this is one of those that you you should read just because um, you don't very often get to see a mayor or a person in power, especially in politics, completely eviscerate some jackass quite so well. Yeah, uh, and and this is one where you definitely you definitely should check it out. Yeah, for sure. Um, in other tragic news, um, or or head scratchingly weird news, um. The uh, Wonder Woman director, Patty Jenkins, uh, has not been signed on for a sequel yet. Yeah. I, I, I expect by the time this airs, that's probably remedied because this movie is uh, currently absolutely handing every other movie at the box office its ass. Like, it's dominating. It had one of the biggest opening weekends, like, ever. It's certainly the largest opening weekend for a female-helmed uh, uh, movie. It's it, it's just gigantic. It, it's a huge movie. Um, and especially important for the folks at warner brothers slash dc uh this is the first one of their uh dc extended universe movies that's actually really just hit it out of the park so um, yeah if you don't if you don't get her back to direct the sequel uh you're kind of playing with fire at this point yeah like i there's only one other director that i can even see coming anywhere near um getting the the female perspective right in a sequel to it and that's Joss Whedon be just because he understands feminism so well um 
And I'm not even saying that the next that the sequel has to hit you over the head with feminism. It doesn't. It just this combination we'll talk about that, but that's actually one of my favorite things about this movie is that as much as 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 um, a feminist icon, I believe this movie is is and will be. It it does not hit you over the head with it at all. Yeah. Um, it, it is really well done in that regard. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean they definitely didn't take the Supergirl season one route. No, <laughs> I did. I don't know if you read the article I wrote, but that that is exactly the, the thing I, I didn't said. Like, specifically read it because you you, did, you wanted to avoid spoilers. I did. So that's fine. I that's did. that's exactly what I said when I tweeted about it. it was if you're really spoiler adverse, don't read it. But um, I covered all. I mean, the I kind of skimmed so. through a little bit of it, and then as soon as I started getting the little like expand for spoiler things, I was like, I'm going to stop this right here like, because there's escape eject like, eject. He's, yeah. he's starting to go into some plot points, and even though I kind of already knew what the plot was, I was just like, yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave no, it here. no 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 I I, so. I totally would recommend if you're if you're at all spoiler averse even a little bit probably stay away just because uh um there is you know little tiny tiny crumbs in there so no and i actually um i haven't even seen the the last um spider-man homecoming trailer just because i i had had actually heard through the grapevine that it was um even more spoiler heavy than the the second one and so i was just like well i kind of already learned enough from the second one that i don't want to know more yeah and haven't watched it at all and then they they did a uh, spider-man trailer at the beginning of the showing of wonder woman that i went to and uh it luckily it was the one that i already seen so cool i think that's the one i already seen too because i, I yeah. can't think of the other one that would be worse than that one also um, uh it's interesting to go to see a movie and then see the character of the movie that you're going to see in a trailer because they showed the justice league trailer yeah <laughs> and and so i was like wow that's that's wonder woman like um, so. It was kind of cool seeing it before, actually. And then the second showing, I was like, oh, man, they did not know how much like everybody is going to pop for that when they, when she actually shows up in the Justice League. Because uh, at this point, she is the bright shining star of the DC universe. Like yeah. uh, Superman, Batman, um, they, they've got shit on Wonder Woman at this point, at least in the current incarnation of the DC universe. Um, or- I'm looking forward to seeing Aquaman. Aquaman looks like it's going to be a good fresh take on that character that I'm yeah. not disappointed to see. It looks like they've cleaned up the effects on that trailer too because i saw it on the big screen um and normally that accentuates shitty cg Mm -hmm. more than anything and it looked like they cleaned up a lot of that the flash's suit looked a little sharper and and cyborg especially looked a lot more yeah um i don't want to say realistic because we're talking about a comic book cyborg but it it, (laughs) it looked more polished yeah i hope that's the case um but i just i i I, I think it's funny the, the universe we've set up now. Um, okay, so that's actually a good way to kind of transition us into talking about Wonder Woman proper. But the, the I, w- I want to lead with, um, we'll get the feminism part, I think, out of the way and then talk about the movie a little bit. But I want to lead with that. So we've had this Hollywood thing set up where uh, w- women can't possibly succeed as it leads in movies. And we can't, we certainly can't do a major blockbuster uh, movie uh, um, with, with a woman director director and so on and so forth and now the situation is that we have had a superman movie we've had a batman superman team-up movie and now we've got wonder woman and wonder woman has clearly trounced those other movies in all regards not not to mention gal gadot's performance as wonder woman in the batman superman movie stole the show as well a little bit um not necessarily her performance just mainly that she showed up i think that was a big deal um but this movie, I think, has really set itself apart from the universe so far. Um, one of the things I heard, I think I heard this on the podcast the other day, and I can't source it, so forgive me if this is completely apocryphal, but uh, I heard something along the lines of uh, Jeff Johns saying, this is really the turning point for the DCU. 
uh, was going to be Wonder Woman. Uh, and, you know, just stick around because I think you're really going to be happy with what you see uh, going from here out. And I want that to be true. Please, God, let that be true because I was super, super impressed walking out of the theater from Wonder Woman. Um, yeah. Well, and my understanding, too, with uh, Justice League, as we all know that um, Zach Snyder had a horrible, horrible thing happen in his family and whatnot. And he tried to work through it, but it didn't it didn't work out. And he ended up leaving the project. Um, and they brought Joss Whedon on board to finish. And I'm sure there's going to be a couple minor reshoots, but I haven't really heard a lot out of the Justice League camp that, that much is changing. Um, which tells me that maybe, uh, Zach was going a different direction with Justice League than he had with the previous two movies. Um, see, Zack Snyder, I firmly believe is in the camp of directors that if they are given, um, they have a lot of raw talent. Just a lot, a lot of raw talent. And I think Zack Snyder clearly fits that bill. He does have a lot of raw talent. He's done some very interesting things on screen so far. What I think he needs is very much like a George Lucas. He just needs reining in by somebody who knows how to make good movies. And so I think that if um, given the proper treatment with uh, the Justice League, I do think he could successfully helm that movie. He He just can't be given full free reign. So I think with the Jeff Johns there, I think with Joss Whedon helping clean up, I think that we could be getting some really, really good things out of this movie. Um, because, you know, first off, Josh is fantastic for a lot of reasons. Uh, number one is that he, more than many other directors and ca- people that I can think of, maybe outside of the Russos at this point, the Russos are probably the only one otherwise that I think can handle this sort of uh, size of a team up and, and um, making strong characters, especially on their inaugural Making run. every character count. Yeah, making every character count, just being able to handle an ensemble well is a very unique challenge in dire- not unique, but it's a very hard challenge in directing and making a good good movie. And Joss has shown time and time again that not only can he do that, but he sort of thrives in that environment. So I'm excited to see his input on the thing from there because I think he's only going to improve on that. And just like you said, with just minor reshoots, like when you think about um, the the movies that he's done so far it doesn't really take a lot to make a character all of a sudden matter, be important, count, have some history, um, be something you care about. Um, so I think if Snyder missed any of that, I think Joss is going to be phenomenal at doing that. And then secondarily, I don't think at this point we really have to worry too much about the feminism angle, but I do think that that's going to be a thing that Joss is going to help out significantly uh, too as well. So we've talked about um, Joss Whedon before being, being, you know, sort of a, a big proponent of feminism in, um, he was raised by his so mom, far. you know. Yeah. I mean, that's well, one of those said, things. And he was he was he was brought up with a, a a very healthy respect and appreciation, you know, for what women do, and that's super evident my, in the things that he does. Yeah, I think my favorite quote for him from him was something along the lines of somebody had asked him at a panel, um, "Why do you write such, you know, strong, why do you keep writing strong female characters?" And he's like, "Well, because you keep asking me that. Because it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be remarkable or notable yeah. in any way. Um, there's nobody says, you know, why did you write such a strong male hero for this role? No. Um, so uh, that that I think is going to be a thing that's going to be, you know, and now having seen Wonder Woman, um, I don't know that they, you know, if if they do any reshoots, I don't know that it's not to give uh, uh, her more screen time because right now she's definitely, I mean, we've we've got the Trinity, we've got you know the three tent poles, but she's definitely the the largest pole in the room, and I mean that in all of its ironic no, uh, not, in, intonations. Yeah. That's um, not a euphemism, folks. Yeah. Um, but it, when it comes to swinging dicks at this room, uh, uh, Wonder Woman Gal Gadot probably has the biggest one to swing at this point. So, dude, that's the thing. Um, and I, I, like, I'm chastising myself even as we speak because when they initially cast her as Wonder Woman, I was like, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure. 
And like the now, I, I talked about that in the article too. Like uh, uh, specifically, we're gonna have to eat some crow because I knew walking out of that movie, um, and I, I knew you'd fall on the same line too of like, well, well I was fucking wrong. Even after yeah. BBS, I was like, oh, I kind of, kind of didn't make the right call on that. And then watching this one, it's like, okay, number one, she's stunningly gorgeous. Like she just is. Oh God, like, yeah. I, I, I mean. The, the, the line, probably the truest line ever spoken is like, Oh, you put spectacles on her. And now, of course, she's not going to be the most beautiful room, woman in the room. Yeah. Um, that, that was hilarious. A, a really well done line, really funny. Um, but it's also like entirely true. Like it is very hard. Like, uh, especially like, um, I've even heard girls say this at this point, but it's very hard not to just stare at Gal Gadot every time she's on screen because she's gorgeous. And then, and then you, you combine that with the fact that she was legit pregnant when that movie was being made. Not all of it. She did, I think, reshoots, because I, I read the same yeah. thing. Reshoots, a lot of the reshoots, she was actually pregnant while she was doing it. So, um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, there, yeah, there's, I mean, she's, she's kind of a special story because she's one of those. She, so she's Israeli born. Yeah. When you're, um, a native Israeli, like it is your civic duty. You're required to serve at least two years in the military, which she did as a combat instructor, um, which I found out tonight from my wife who apparently has read up on the subject <laughs> um is kind of how she landed her gig in the fast and furious movies is because that's they wanted her there because she legit knew how to fight and they wanted her character to have that because they're like you're amazingly hot and you know how to fight yep let's do but that she yeah. can act too like that's so like <clears throat> it's so rare like you look at, at at people that have made the transition uh from being like a legit fighter um or or gina carano it's no i think entirely pointing to mention gina carano at this point because that was when we were talking about um gal Gadot's casting as wonder woman or initially we said you know it'd be nice if you could get somebody like gina carano in that she's a um, big strong looking woman uh she looks like an amazon and but somebody who could also act and i don't know? want to take anything away from gina carano but like i don't know that she has the acting chops well that's what i'm that, saying though like when, when has. transitioning from a fighter so gina yeah. carano was a fighter and now uh transitioning into acting she's not really exactly an actress like um maybe she will grow into it because we've seen that too when arnold started uh, as an actor he wasn't a fucking actor um but uh <laughs> Um, so maybe Gina Carano will have a similar, you know, sort of uh, role and she'll grow into it. But like, look at, you know, like the most notable performance she's had so far probably is in Deadpool. Deadpool, yeah. And she, I think she got seven words worth of lines in that fucking movie. So yeah. um, she's not exactly an amazingly talented actress. And so Gal Gadot, the concern kind of going into that is the same. Even after Batman versus Superman, I, I wasn't quite sold on Gal Gadot because uh, number one, she still looks small to me. Uh, um, and so I, we talked about this and, you know, she still looks small from what I'm picturing for Wonder Woman. Although I thought she did a, a pretty good job. And still it wasn't really shown whether or not she could act too well because she didn't, you know, she was barely in the movie. Um Okay, so that said, having seen Wonder Woman, uh, eating a ton of crow, because number one, um, I think that she did some work to bulk up for the for the role, um, because she looks a lot bigger in this movie. Um, she looks a lot stronger, and that uh, having said, I I went back actually, and I was I was watching Batman versus Superman after I'd seen Wonder Woman. Um, it, I I think I'm three quarters of the way through the movie. I think it's been about six days now. Uh, you know, sitting consecutively watching the movie, and it's it's still not quite done. Um, but she definitely bulked up more for Wonder Woman proper. Um, 
but also it's clear here that she's not the best actress in Hollywood, but she's also entirely passable. Like there was no point in this movie where I was watching it. I was like, Oh man, they should have really got somebody who knows how to say lines or something like that. So she was, she was actually really good. And in, in, in places actually, she was so good uh, that it, you can't take your eyes off of her, not just because she's gorgeous, but because she's doing a phenomenal job. Like I have to say, like I, I really, really enjoyed her like childlike innocence in certain parts uh, of the movie. Um, and then, you know, especially because what we've seen of her so far is not that what we've seen in Batman versus Superman is that she's cold, callous, even like she's getting ready to leave the city, even as there's this massive fight going on. And she only reluctantly sort of goes to to, um, you know, fight in, in Batman versus Superman. Um, whereas in this movie, she's, you know, full of, you know, childlike innocence and wonder and, and sort of like ready to go after and save the world and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's even the opening monologue is, you know, like I used to want to save the world. Um, but you know, now, now she doesn't. So, yeah, I'm, she's, she's also five foot 10. Yeah. That so, I didn't notice either until she was standing next to Chris next Pine. To Chris Pine, yeah, yeah. I, I, and unfortunately I don't think it did it any favors, you know, cause Cavill is a tall guy. Uh, Affleck, I think, is a tall guy. Um, Cavill and Affleck are both either like six three or six four. Yeah, I'm so. pretty sure Cavill's like six four, and I think I think um, Affleck's, Affleck's like six two and a half or six three. He's he's yeah. not yeah he's not a short guy. Yeah, so um, you know, she looks small standing next to those two, but when you put her up against you know an average, you know, maybe above average man, um, above average, yeah, yeah uh, she she all of a I mean, sudden Chris Pine's looks not tall, bigger, yeah, yeah, he's he's not tall. Like you notice that as as when he's Kirk. And stand next to fucking everybody else. Yeah, but. I mean, five ten is not is not small for a dude. Um, it, but it's it, it's average essentially. It, 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 that is, I think, I think the United States average is male is is five nine or five ten. So, yeah. um, so for a gal to be five ten, uh, um, th- that actually works pretty well. So, yeah, um, I um, yeah, no, she's 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 definitely she fits the role of Wonder Woman to me now more than anything. Like, I can't. I, I can't stress enough like how well she just grabbed that role and made it her own. Yeah. Um one of the notable points of this, as we mentioned already, she's Israeli. She obviously has an accent. Um we talked about this a little bit in the pre show that you know we weren't recording. Um <laughs> We don't we don't actually record a pre show. We just sit around bullshit. Yeah. Until my kids go to bed or whatever. Yeah, but one of the interesting things that they did here is um the Amazons, when they're on Themyscira, um, rather than having Gal change her accent or just sort of ignore it, um, because I think that would have been a totally plausible route to go, is everybody else speaks, you know, in their normal voice and Gal Gadot's accent just is there and they don't really address it. Um, the, everybody speaks with a, you know, sort of Israeli tinged accent. Yeah. They um, kind of adopted her accent to, to yeah. make it more, uh, her centric. You know what I mean? I yeah. Think it's it's, a, make it a little bit more a lot of respect to her as, as like, she's the lead. She's from this place. She has this accent. Why wouldn't anybody else from there have the accent and things like that? And again, they could have ignored it and I think it would have been fine, but there's, there's going to be that contingent of people that are like, well, that's weird. Yeah. You know, um, which I, I think th- there's a couple of things. So number one, uh, I liked that they did that because it added a little bit more of a, um, mystique to, um, uh, Themyscira, uh, mm-hmm. and the Amazons. It added a little something to, to that than, you know, having them speak all perfect English with, you know, you know, no accents, United States accents, etc. Uh, secondarily, it only highlighted how cool some of the other actresses were, uh, that played the Amazons. So, um, the woman who played Hippolyta, I can't remember her name. Um, shit. I can't either. 
Uh, the, the one I definitely do remember, though, because I was like, holy shit, that's Robin Wright. Yeah. Uh, that's Princess Buttercup herself. Yeah, Princess Buttercup, um, which, you know, obviously Princess Buttercup, no slouch, but um, Robin Wright is fucking badass in this movie. She steals the show uh, pretty immediately. Like, she's one of those, like, uh, characters that I think is going to stand out for a while because um, she was so cool as uh, Antiope, I believe was her character's name. Um, and, and that was the other thing is, as long as we're talking, uh, about that whole part, Themyscira and the Amazons and stuff like that, another thing that I thought that they did really well was, um, they managed to portray an all female society in an interesting manner. So number one, um, they had a lot of different, uh, um, sort like they had different, you know, sort of classes of people, you know, so they had the more warrior based Amazons, they had, you know, politicians. Um, I thought that was interesting. They, they actually gave a little bit of depth to the, the, the society. Uh, secondarily, I thought, you know, just from a pure, um, aesthetic, I, I thought it was interesting or good really that they went with not just a cookie cutter sort of, um, everybody's beautiful type of characters. Um, because th- there were certainly women, um, there were certainly lots of beautiful women among the Amazons. Right. Uh, but the, you know, they went with some bodybuilders actually. Um, like there was, I think some of the Amazons that stood in were actually like legit bodybuilders in real life. Um, and, and not all of them had that, you know, normal sort of Hollywood esque, uh, um, uh, beautiful, you know, that you expect every woman on screen to have, which is another good part. Um, and when I say that, I mean, <clears throat> it's not abnormal to have an ugly dude in, um, a movie, uh, like, uh, Seth Rogen still gets work. Um, <laughs> But he gets to play. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I have a point with this. He gets to play opposite Emma Stone. Like, so Emma Stone is the quote unquote normal chick who's also undeniably gorgeous. Um, so um, it's it's just an interesting thing here when they do that same thing uh, finally with women on screen. So um, and another you know a lovely thing that I I liked about this movie is that as much as it does sort of advance, I think feminism as a cause it doesn't slap you in the mouth with it. Like, no. uh, whereas wonder what, you know, uh, in Supergirl, I, you know, I specifically called out that when I, when I wrote that, that piece, um, and we've talked about it on the show. Yeah, we've talked about it several times. But Supergirl comes right out and says, "Oh man, I'm so glad that a woman's finally in charge," or something stupid like that. And um, Wonder Woman just sort of, rather than um, you know, really turning to the camera and saying, "Look, here's a badass woman character you can look up to," Wonder Woman simply delivers one. Um, Wonder Woman simply gives you a badass. There, there woman are some character. comments made throughout the course of the of the movie, of course, and that's, um, but that I mean, that's kind of to be expected though, because we're talking World War One. Um, you know, women don't fight. Well, see, even that wasn't whatnot. like and a, um, and that's, that was just kind of one of those funny things where like her first trip to, you know, the world of man, so to speak. And, you know, and she makes the comment about, oh, that sounds more like slavery, you know, talking to the secretary and whatnot. <laughs> so funny. And then she's like, well, like how, am I, yeah. how am I supposed to fight in this? Like, yeah. this doesn't, you know, so there's, there's, there's some comments like that. And then when she shows up at fucking parliament or whatever it is and they're like why is there a woman here <laughs> yeah there was some social commentary in there that was kind of funny but it was again very much not in your face about it like that was yeah. just something you sort of expected and those things all felt at home in the movie um and again if you're uh, like one of the things that i liked about we this should, movie we should is, preface they may, there may be spoilers throughout this like we don't want to spoil the whole goddamn movie necessarily but yeah i'm um, not gonna go into the super big spoilers i'm not gonna hit on too much i think without a lot of warning but yeah we will probably spoil a little bit so yeah um yeah i i loved that piece of it um when when they get there and they're like you know a woman can't possibly because at the um you know if, oh i know where i was going with this um if you go into the movie and you're not really looking for a feminism angle 
you're not necessarily going to see one. And I think that's the best way to make things like this normal. Like the best way to get equality, I think is to make equality sort of the norm and make everything else, the outlier. Um, so when, when you look at it from that perspective, I think Wonder Woman did a really amazing job of that. Um, the only thing that it did, you know, is like when they go in there and they go into parliament and they're like, what's a woman doing here? Everybody, the, the audience is looking at that and saying, wow, what a bunch of dicks. Um, which is, I think, the right way to do it. Um, but when she goes on and does all these, you know, amazingly cool badass shit, you're not like, oh man, I can't. Well, she's just a girl, you know. Like it, it is just a normal thing you expected of her, and that's really, I think, one of the things that I think this movie did better uh, than a lot of movies do. So, yeah, yeah, and I would, I would deliver the same message to uh, every bigoted asshole out there that talks about why do we need gay pride parades or why do we need, you know, women's equality parades and stuff like that. Well. We need them until we don't need them. Yeah. That's that's kind of the whole point is like um and this is definitely not a, a, a women's equality parade of a movie. This is like Eddie said, like it normalized a a chick being badass and being the lead and being the hero of a story without it mattering what her gender was really. Like really the only the only thing is is like she was from Themyscira, which doesn't have men on it. So obviously she's a woman. And that's the way the character has been written since her inception in yeah. comic books. And it, but, it, but they didn't write the character. I mean, this movie specifically like wasn't written like other than wonder woman as a woman. Like that's what the character is, but it doesn't have to be like, it could be a man or it could be a woman. And it's just like e- the movie would have been good. I mean, as a, as a vehicle either way, like, you know what I mean? Like they, they not- stayed away from like, Again, if you're trying to advance a cause like that, they basically stayed away from the cheap shit. Like, um, there was a couple of jokey stuff, jokey pieces in there. Um, but they stayed away from the really cheap, easy shit that they could have gone with, with that. Um, which I was really happy to see. Um, they, that it was, it's an easy property, I think, to not do that with. Um, but they managed to, to, to do that. You know, so one of the criticisms I think that if you wanted to be a feminist and, and say, uh, isn't really fair, Wonder Woman still comes out in probably less clothes than definitely a Batman or Superman does. But even then, like, she spends most of the movie fully clothed. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and when they do say it, it's, it's sort of like a, well, yeah, but there's a reason why she's dressed the way she is. Like, uh, there's a reason why that's that's the uniform. One, you know, one of the things I noticed, um, and, and I, I read a thing about it too. Is that you know when she lands on the ground, her thighs jiggle. They didn't CG that out like they do in a lot of other things. And a lot of women that I've seen on the internet and stuff have been really actually super supportive of that because they're like, yeah, because um, whose thighs don't even like, if you're fucking muscular as hell like Gal Gadot is like yeah, there's movement there. But a lot of comic book stuff like it's painted to where like flesh doesn't move. You know, you just hit the ground like Superman and nothing, nothing moves except for the ground around you. And they didn't do that with Wonder Woman. Um, yeah, but I mean, see, that's another thing that even is like a sort of like, it's so stupid that they even start the other direction. We should like have to notice that, but we do because it's so not the norm anymore. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I, I like that aspect of the, the, um, the feminism aspect, I think cannot be undersold or oversold here. Uh, I think it, it's just a really good way to handle this sort of a property. Um, there clearly is a little bit of a feminism angle going into whether anybody intended for it to uh, be that way or not. Um, 
but it does uh, the movie the movie does a really good job of that uh it doesn't get up its own ass about it it doesn't you know shove it in your face or anything like that it manages to tell a good story and also be a good feminism piece um because i think the way that you do that is by not thinking about how do i write a good woman character but simply how do i write a good character and, and then expand from there um and so i think wonder woman did a pretty phenomenal job there um anyway uh, let's talk about some more stuff in the movie besides that, because there's there's lots more, and I think I'm, yeah. I'm sure we're not doing the best job of this so, weekend. Well, so. what are, one of the best, one of the the most important uh, things about the movie that I thought is that this movie takes place during World War One. It does not take place World War Two, Vietnam, anything like that. It's it takes place World War One, which I think, as far as wars goes, go go gets kind of the shaft. It does because you got the whole you know the World War Two thing with the Nazis. That's so that's so interesting. And actually, this is one small criticism of the movie is the the way that the Germans sort of automatically get painted into the corner as being evil ones in this this movie is a little historically inaccurate, but whatever. Only a little bit. I mean, the events like uh, immediately preceding uh, World War One, like with Franz Ferdinand getting assassinated in Serbia and whatnot, like um, I mean, that doesn't really get noticed at all. <laughs> Yeah. But the Germans were kind of one of the overall like large aggressors of that war. Hmm. Um and then it was Hitler later on that took advantage of the fact that Yeah. Everything was in turmoil and, and then, you know, World War Two. But um I, I thought that was important just because I I don't feel like that gets enough uh World War One was known as the Great War. It was, as Chris Pine put it in the movie at one point, the war to end all wars, which obviously there was another one later. Yeah. Um, but World War One was important because it was the first time they'd ever fought with war hadn't the been kind fought of on that scale before weaponry and things like that, that the human race was capable of doing, which I think makes Ares's role um, in the movie even more important. Yeah. Um, it's it's war on a different scale than than the planet has ever seen war. Yeah. And uh, so that's that's why I I liked it being a, a period a World War 1 period piece. And also that's a really brave direction to go. Uh when Captain America did it, when Marvel did it with Captain America, like it was that movie could have been either really great, which it ended up being, or it could have been really bad, which you know. Yeah, that's my only criticism. Well, there, there I have a couple of criticisms of the movie as a whole. Don't get me wrong, I I love this movie. This this is probably going to be one of my favorite movies this year. Um but if I had some criticisms, that would be one of them, which is that it it feels a little too like Captain America. Um, in that they, they have a similar sort of dynamic where, um, you have this sort of like out of time, out of place character, uh, uh or not really, but, um, you have this sort of like super innocent, super, you Captain know, America was the first super soldier the world had ever seen. Yeah. And then you've got Wonder Woman, who's sort of the first meta that, that the world's ever seen. And, um, they both sort of assemble their team of, um, ne'er-do-wells and they go on and fight the war against the bad guys. She's, who, she's not a meta. She's a god. I know, but she, and I actually like the fact that they painted that picture and made that distinction. And that, that is actually a huge spoiler but yeah i was just gonna say um warning spoiler 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 <laughs> we we warned ahead of time that there would be but i no, i actually that and in, in, in fact that's one of the pieces that i wanted to talk about specifically that i knew was going to be spoiler heavy is i like how they combined both origins yeah, of so wonder woman in one movie because like she's got the story being told by her mom from a, from a child like i made you out of clay and zeus brought you to life um and then you find out later on that she's no she's full-on god yeah, you know, uh, we were talking about A this God. in the car uh, on the way there, and I was like, you know, so what do you guys know about Wonder Woman? And we talked about, you know, like her origin, and I was like, well, there's this one side of the story that says she's, you know, made out of clay and blah blah blah, and there's a second side that I think in the other origin, Ares is actually her father. No, it's Zeus. 
Zeus, Zeus is her father yeah. with Hippolyta. Hi- yeah, Hippolyta. Hi- Hippolyta. I always get the accent. I always put the accent on the or the uh, the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh. So I was, you know, telling her that whole piece and and uh, how interesting that was. And then we go into the movie, and I was like, oh, they went they made out of the clay route. And then as we're progressing through the movie, I'm like, I'm not sure they did that. And then we get to the end, and I'm like, oh, they didn't do that. I kind of knew. Yeah. And I didn't know for sure, which I actually really appreciated about this movie because I am, I'm a comic book guy. So I, I kind of, I, I've read a lot of wonder woman and, and especially like the most current run. I, I, I haven't read it in the last several months just because I, I got so caught up in having to read like 60 different comic books every month that I was like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the initial arc of wonder woman was great. Cause there was doing the, the dual arc where they had the every other issue thing. And mm-hmm. then both those stories wrapped up. And after that, I was just kind of like, Okay, I can breathe for a while now, and I'll, I'll I'll come back to it later if I need to. Um, but uh, but yeah, even even I didn't know for sure, and then and then when they they reveal, especially like, and then as soon as the thing with the sword happens, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's it, that's it. Yeah. Uh, so, can we talk about casting for a minute? Besides Gal Gadot, why not? We talked about Robin Wright a little bit. Robin Wright, brilliant choice, I think. Um, how about, you know, Chris Remus, Remus Lupin? Yeah, that was interesting, too. Like, my daughter looked at me as we were watching this. She's like, is that Lupin? I was like, yeah. yeah. And, and I uh, noticed it right before Emmy did. I was like, that's Lupin. And she was like, I know. I know. <laughs> um, so I was really proud because I was watching it, and I didn't connect those dots immediately because, obviously, I'm not as big of a Harry Potter fan as my uh, 10-year-old daughter is. But, um uh yeah so she she looked over me and she's like is that lupin i was like yeah it's lupin uh so casting wise um th- this is going to be a massive spoiler if we talk about this anymore yeah uh so just be aware we're we're now into massive spoiler territories uh if it, it, now is the time to turn off your thingy uh massive spoilers ahead so anyway that said um that's a ballsy move like uh, th- th- that was one I did not see coming even a little bit, mo- mostly because that's how effective like Hollywood tropes are that I was completely sucked into the idea that there was no way that was going to be a thing. Um, and-, and I was totally like, I was like, oh, the Ludendorff thing. It's like, well, I guess they could do that. Well, he kept that's taking that lame. gas. He kept breathing in that gas. Then it was making them all supercharged and whatnot. And I was like, I wonder if that's like, just like, I wonder if that's how Ares is going to take over his body. Like that's the direction I was going like through the whole movie. I was and like, then... well, that's, that's obviously misdirection. I mean, he's, yeah. we've seen on screen, they, they've essentially showed the audience. He's not Ares because you know, he wouldn't need that shit if he was. Um, but I knew, so I was expecting we we're going to actually see Ares. I, I didn't expect that we'd get through this movie without it actually seeing It also wouldn't have surprised Ares. me if Dr. Poison had ended up being Ares. Yeah, uh, that, you know. that wouldn't have been too weird. Uh, the other thing that I, I completely figured is that maybe we just don't see him until the third act. Like, I thought it, w- it was entirely possible that we don't see Ares until the third act. Um, and so, uh, that they actually went that direction. They, they, they cast, uh, um, uh, David Thewlis is his name, uh, as, Aries and then had that misdirect that way. Um, that was actually one of the few parts of the movie that for sure just completely surprised me. Um, certainly a twist that I did not expect. So I, I don't know. I thought that was a little bit ingenious because number one, uh, Thelos is an, a, is an amazing accomplished actor at this point. Yeah. Um, he was actually the, the, the shithead kid, the prince from, uh, Dragonheart. If you ever watched that movie with Sean Connery as the voice of the dragon and shit. No fucking way. Yeah, really? That's him. Dude. Yeah. Dude. That's a wow. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. You just changed my, that blew my mind. Is that okay? Yeah. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah. Um, other brilliant piece of casting here. Um, I don't know. This is brilliant, but he certainly hit it out of the park as well. Chris Pine. Um, Chris Pine as Steve Trevor. Um, another thing that I really liked about this movie is that uh, another you know thing a shittier movie would have done is make Chris Pine look really weak to make Wonder Woman look strong. Or Which they didn't overdo Chris Pine and, and make Steve Trevor look overly strong when he really shouldn't. And they balance this actually extremely well. Um, Chris Pine def- definitely came across well. Um, he, he, I thought served as a good um, um, companion for Diana. It's, uh, you know, the, the, the chemistry between the two characters was really, really good on screen. Um, they did a good job having Chris, uh, um, or I should say Steve, Steve Trevor's character um, be supportive of Diana. Um, but, you know, not, not, you know, like she's the show, she's the heavy hitter here. So like, let's not try to portray it a different way. So I, I love the way, you know, like just the little, like the assist with the shield when he's like, yeah. Diana shield. And they did that whole thing. Because like, he that saw was a, it. Like that was a callback from what he saw in the battle of the beaches of, of the mascara. He was like, she'll get this if I say it. Yeah. But that was another amazing way that they handled that. Like he, he manages to be amazing support for Diana mm-hmm. uh, in that, in that scene. Um, While still coming across as being strong. Yeah. So uh, they, they did that, you know, like in, in, you know, WWE terms, that's a hard, that's a hard thing to do to make a guy, you know, still, you know, kind of be the, be the weaker character, but still come out over strong. Um, you know, put somebody else over while, while still looking strong yourself. Yeah. 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 yeah that's what I'm talking about. Um, so, but he totally managed that and they totally managed that with the character. So, um, and of course, Chris Pine, I think I, I'm just a big fan of it this, by, uh, this juncture. Um, he obviously is really good in Star Trek, but I've liked him in pretty much everything I've I seen him in. I feel so. bad for him a little bit just because, um, these, this is going to be the role he's, he's known for secondary to, to Captain Kirk. And the two characters themselves are not all that dissimilar. Just as characters. Not so, f- except no, for Kirk. Not would, really. Kirk would have just fucked her the first night or tried. <laughs> yeah. Kirk, Kirk wouldn't wait it. <laughs> Um, but, uh, no, and, and there was, there was subtle differences there, but I mean, um, uh, Kirk, Kirk would have banged all the Amazons by the time he left. Yeah. He certainly would have yeah. made a, given the old college try <laughs> for sure. Um, anyway, yeah, no, the, well, which actually kind of makes sense because, um, I do think thematically they are fairly similar characters. Um, that's, that's especially the, only, the reboot, the, that's the, only the thing Star I Trek reboot b- character. Yeah, that's the only thing I feel bad about uh, with when it comes to Chris Pine is like I kind of feel like he's getting typecast as as this character. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's I, mean, I haven't I I have not watched what, what's the movie where he's uh, the Coast Guard. I know um, what you're talking about, but I don't remember it either. Yeah, I can't remember. It's not Perfect Storm because that's the Clooney one, and this is a lot newer than that. This just came out like last year, or the year before, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I know but, what you're talking about, but I, I um, no clue. But yeah, I, I haven't watched that one, um, which I've heard is good. Yeah. And he's in, he's in, uh, some other things. Uh, Horrible Bosses 2 is the only other one that I could remember, like, first off that, that he was. And that character's a little bit different because that character's like a total sleazebag, but. It'll be interesting to see what his career does because you have a lot of actors that follow this similar, similar sort of thing. Like they have their big breakout at blockbuster sort of things and then go on and do the rom-coms. That's the one I'm thinking of. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, but Chris Pine was in like a Reese Witherspoon rom-com, um, movie and then they have got their, you know, whatever the other fucking movie that you're talking about that I can't also remember the name of is. Um, and then at some point, yeah, I I totally am at some point though, they go on and do something, uh, um, that that really kind of lets them shine as an actor. Finest hours is what it was called. Yeah. 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 Um, so I haven't seen finest hours. So maybe that's the beginning of that where he really gets to go shine as an actor. Um, 
but uh, so far he's still very much in the sort of blockbuster Hollywood role, um, which don't get me wrong, he's killing it at, and it's not a bad life. Like he's still super, super rich at this point, and he still gets to act with all of these amazing people all the time. And if nothing else, it, he gets to act with Gal Gadot on the regs. So yeah, uh, um, not exactly something I'd complain about, but. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what his career does if he does go on. Because I, I do think he is a talented actor. I do think no, he I, could, undoubtedly, I think he is. He could go do some more serious roles or go do some, you know, make a run at some Oscars or something like that. And probably, you know, if he didn't win, he'd certainly be at least, you know, nominee. I, I could see him being a nominee at least. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. So, Chris Pine, good, good, good as Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor's characterization again, really, really well done in this movie. Nice balance between him and Diana. Um, I, I, I do like the way that they they managed to show those two on screen because you also got this sort of like camaraderie too. Like, um, it's funny, even though Diana is immediately more powerful than than Steve. Um, on screen you see that um god steve's gotta acknowledge it he's gotta see that you know like when they're in the alley and she saves him you know almost immediately when he's like oh stand back you know like they did that that whole thing that which is another you know sort of nice little moment it's like no it doesn't always have to be the the guy saving the girl um that's actually one of the things i think is terrific about how his character interacts with diana because it doesn't it doesn't matter that she could practically throw him into space like he'll if he thinks that she's making the wrong move like he'll he'll stand in front of her and like try and stop her from doing whatever it is like he doesn't think is a good idea even though he knows for a fact that he can't yeah so. see like i like this because it's um almost a perfect role reversal of, of like uh lois and clark um, <laughs> um yeah in that um lois is in her own right a badass character um, who frequently gets to have that same sort of uh, interaction. So I like the way that they, you know, in a lot of respects, actually, Wonder Woman is sort of like a gender-bent Superman. Um, so I like that they managed to get that right here because there's a lot of easy ways to fuck that up that Hollywood um, would typically be, be um, you know, absolutely a shoo-in for doing, but uh, they, they got it right here, so. Yes. Um, the other actress that you were trying to think of is Connie Nielsen, by the way. Yeah. What else is she in? Because, uh, I've seen her in tons of stuff, but I can't Gladiator. Remember. Gladiator. Oh, she's, uh, yeah, yeah, I gotcha. She also starred opposite Kevin Costner in Three Days to Kill. And she was, um, one of the leads in The Devil's Advocate starring Keanu Reeves and, ooh, uh, Al Pacino. <laughs> awesome. Um. In the third act. I'm going to make you fuck your sister. Ooh, uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not my, not my best Pacino, but you know, no, that's, that's fine. That sticks staying in. Um, yeah. So casting here was, I think pretty solid all around. Um, we also have, uh, Danny Huston as Ludendorff, which I thought was really good. Yeah. He's been in other stuff too. Okay. So here's my, one of my other criticisms of the movie. Um, there were parts of. Actually, he played Stryker in X-Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> there were parts of that where, um, Ludendorff and Dr. Poison were comedically bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like when, when, uh, when, when they threw the gas in the room. When they threw the gas in the room and they both look at each other and they laugh. They don't know that. And they laugh. And I'm like, <laughs> this isn't a fucking cartoon. Like <laughs> that, that was one of the, the few, like, 
I hated that. I hated that moment. And like the scene, don't get me wrong. The scene was fine. It's just that they decided to put some camp in there and it did not fit at no, all. It was um, just one of those kind of things. It was a miss. It, yeah, yeah. That, that scene, that scene, they should have done something else with. Like they could have had the exact same scene. It's just the reaction to that when they, when they threw the mask in there. Uh, if they had reacted differently to, you know, that, like when she says, uh, that, that won't do them any good. And he would have said, uh, yeah, but they don't know that. It, and just delivered that line in a different way. Um, they could have just easily been like, they don't know that. And then walk off. Like, yeah. Or, or they could have even done it as a, as a plot device and been like, that mask won't do them any good. And he'd be like, well, let's make sure. Yeah. You know, they just, it was, it was so, um, Plus, they lingered outside of the non-airtight room a little longer than I would have chosen yeah. to had it been me, you know. It, it was just too campy. Like, it was yeah. just too campy. It didn't fit. Um, um, so, that, that that scene to me was, like, car- cartoonish, and, and I didn't like it at all. Uh, at least that particular part. I didn't mind that they gassed him. I didn't mind that they uh, – um, that's a funny sentence. I didn't mind that they gassed him. I didn't mind that they, they you know, <laughs> threw the mask in there. It's just that the way that they deliver – then they both laugh. Like, they, they do the cartoon villain laugh. Like, that was, like, straight out of G.I. Joe – uh, uh, fucking, uh, Cobra Commander laughing with, you know, the other, the other bad guys. Um, that, it was that, that kind of bad. So, um, should have done something else there. Otherwise, I didn't mind those characters. I thought Dr. Poison was sort of an interesting character. Ludendorff is fairly one dimensional. Um, um, they, th- this is another weak part of the movie is that, um, the villains, um, Ares gets a little bit more, I think, as far as like in terms of what his motivations are, but Ludendorff doesn't really, have any meaningful motivation especially not for the length of evil to which he's willing Other than to go the misdirection piece which is where the the movie did its level best to make you think that ludendorff and Ares were connected in somehow yeah in some way that was that was and that was the point of his character i think so i don't know i mean there's not a ton more you can ask out of him other than uh you know maybe give the guy a little bit more depth some yeah. backstory like why is this guy such a prick like we don't know that that piece of it we just know that he is in fact a prick yeah. So I don't know that that part didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't like it, I guess it made sense. I just didn't like it. Don't do that. <laughs> bad, bad, bad movie. Um, no, um, it was good movie. Good movie. Yeah, it's not not the best. Choice. That part. Not great. Um, what else? What else do we got in this thing? Um, uh, there's a lot uh, other than well, the action was great. Like, here's here's one of the one of my takeaways from it. Okay. Gagado's a real fighter. Like this much we know because of her Israeli army background and whatnot. Um, there wasn't a lot of weird funky cuts to make the fight scenes look different. Like we, oh, we, okay. we Let's tend to fall into then. that pitfall a lot in American cinema where like it has to be really choppy looking because the action isn't really that good. This movie didn't suffer from that. Like the action of this movie I thought was really good every time it happened and i thought actually it was used well i didn't i didn't think there was action unnecessarily in any of the movie see like um okay so action action i think is a good part to talk about in this movie so there are some cuts definitely um in the action scenes but it's not egregious especially when you look at some of the other movies that have done the same sort of thing like actually on rewatch of civil war and seeing some of the 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 fight scenes in that especially the beginning the beginning fight scenes are really hard to watch sometimes yeah because they they, there's it's a cut every swing like every swing there's a cut and so like uh i read this somewhere and now it's stuck in my mind and it's uh, unfortunately i'm gonna unleash this upon you the listener um i think it's jackie chan has like some rules for how to how to show fight scenes in movies and one of them is keep cuts minimal um, or even don't cut 
during fight scenes really at all if you can avoid it uh and that makes it look a lot stronger on, on tv so when i was watching rewatching civil war now having that piece of mo- uh, uh knowledge inflected upon me all i can see is how fucking much they're cutting in the, in the scene and how much it takes away from that so the fight scenes in wonder woman i think do a much better job of that there are certainly cuts in the movie um but they're not unnecessarily placed um they're, they're they don't really take you out of the action nearly the way that uh civil war did um and they just end up still looking cool. Like the, one of the sort of effects that I did really like is like the faux, the faux bullet time sort of thing that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like when she goes up for the kick and it just sort of, you know, slows down for half a breath and then you get to really feel the impact of that kick land. Um, that, that was really cool. Um, those, those pieces actually, I actually, I thought were a nice, you know, cinematic beauty too when they do that, that, that thing. Plus, I gotta say, like, they, they do, they, it's one of the best payoffs I've felt in a movie for a long, long fucking time. When you do the run up as they're going, they're headed towards the front and you see Diana and she's walking past all these people who are like, need help. And, and, you know, Steve Trevor's pulling her along and saying, no, we can't help them. And, and you know, she could like when they're, you know, whipping the horse and they're like, there are things stuck in the thing. You know, she can just walk over there and pick it up and carry the fucking thing out. Um, so they're like, no, we can't help her. And then when she gets to the actual trenches and, and they, first off, another kudos when they're like, uh, that's no man's land. No, no man can cross it. And she's, but, and, and, you know, the, the really cheesy thing would, would be for her to be like, well, I am no man. And then, you know, start kicking ass. But, um, man, when she pulls the hair out, I was just like immediately on board. I was like, well, shit's going down. Hair's coming down. Shit's going down. Shit's yep. real right here. She puts on the crown thing and then gets up. And I'm like, I, I was so fucking sold on that whole scene from then on. Um, secondarily when we get to this next the, the the next big piece of action when she actually starts going hand to hand with some dudes uh and that's the scene where you get sort of the faux bullet time and, and that whole thing that's when the wonder woman theme kicks and holy shit dude <laughs> uh i was erect so fast like it, it was such a good scene um, sam sam will be happy when he finally sees it that you know his favorite music made it in yeah yeah uh, first off, I like the theme. I've liked the theme the whole time. I just uh, thought it was unnecessary in BVS where it's like every time she was on screen, it happened. They didn't do that every time she was on screen in this movie. No, they couldn't have. They would have been ridiculous. But yeah. um, they did. They did. Um, they start to build. Like that song has mm-hmm. a really good build to it uh, um, with the way that well, they and, used and it. And the, the sounds movie. of war in the background when they were building to it kind of helped. Yeah. The... So when when the the theme finally kicks, it's just like, oh man, the, the, this is a nice piece of nice piece yeah. of film right here. So no, I thought it was. I thought I thought the theme music was well used in this one, and and uh, and I knew I was going to take shit from somebody about that because I I gave Sam such a hard time about it when we were talking <laughs> to BBS when we did the roundtable right after we watched it, and this was this was definitely different. It wasn't it wasn't like that. No, and, and I appreciated it. No, um, really, they they use that very sparingly. It's only in a couple of places, um, and you can go. I'm not gonna lie, I, I've listened to the soundtrack now on Spotify a couple of times this week. Um, it's only used in, it sparingly in a few different places in the movie, but when it's there, it's really good. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that that was. Um, a really fun part of this movie too, like that build to the action scene. I mean, just starting with her, him, her being told like, no, you can't really do this. And then she's like, well, fucking I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. That, that was like, uh, I think really where I, I knew I loved this movie. Like that was, it, that was kind of one of those things that was, it was a recurring theme. Cause there was that scene right there where they're like, it's no man's land. You can't go out there. And then she goes out there and, uh, single-handedly like, reclaims a, a, yeah, a town it's almost kind of like a callback to the earlier scene in the movie when they're when um 
Hippolyta is saying, um, you can't, uh, you're not going to train. And, and like, she totally does it anyway. Well, and that's, that's kind of the other thing too, um, is they added depth to the rest of the supporting cast in different ways throughout the movie. Um, you know, with, uh, Sammy, the, yeah. the Sammy character, like you get that piece of it, um, kind of almost at the same time you get a little bit of the Charlie story, you know, cause she's asking him about Charlie and he was like, we don't all do what we want to do. I, I would rather be acting. This is, this is who I am as a person, blah, blah, blah. You get that. And then you get the fact that Charlie is an expert marksman, but can't really fire his gun yeah. in, in, in certain situations and whatnot. And then, um, after they reclaim the town, you know, of course you hear him playing piano and singing and, and, you know, um, Steve makes the comment. I haven't heard him sing in years, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it makes each one of them important, you know, um, the chief, you got the chief and he talks about his people and how, um, you know, his people had their land stolen from him. And then she's like, well, who stole their land? And he looks over at Steve Trevor's like his people, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you, you've got a little, like you learn a little bit more about each character kind of as it goes along without having to tell like, um, without having to do a montage of backstories or anything like that. Like you, you meet the characters and then, and then you very organically get to know them as wonder woman gets to know them. Yeah. Which I thought was really important. Um, they, they did again. Um, Patty Jenkins, I think in the, in the team here did a really amazing job of setting up the characters here. Uh, um, and really sort of making them important in the, the film. So, um, I don't know. They can't, I think really be overstated as, as at all. Uh, I, I could, um, I was very impressed by how well that they managed to balance. Those they they made it out. very easy for you to care about each one of these characters for different reasons. As, as you go along, like when you first meet the Sammy character, you're like, Oh, this guy's a scumbag. Like yeah. you don't really care. And then as, as time goes on, you're just like, no, he's kind of, he's, he's, he's a good dude. Like at heart, he's a good dude. And then Charlie, you know, he's just like, Oh, you don't believe in this bullshit. Like, and then, like, but even even when they get to that point, like, when they're, you know, Steve's basically like, I said this was a two-day job. Your guys' time is up. Like, you know, no hard feelings if you don't want to go on. Um, and they're just like, no, 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 we'll go on. And then Charlie's like, oh, you don't need me. And she's like, but who's going to sing? Like, that. See, that's another thing that I really loved about the Diana character. Like, yeah. the way that they did that. Like, um such a simple little, you know, method for bringing so, so, such a simple little thing to do to bring the team it, together. Um, it's, 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 it's just it's, exactly it's few, who she is. It's a few words of dialogue that adds so much heart to the movie that it's, you can't help but notice it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's one sentence, literally one sentence. Yep. And like, it adds so much depth and heart to the movie that it's what sets it apart from the rest of the DCEU movies because they, they, there wasn't heart to those movies. Like there was maybe a little bit between well like, that and a plot. There was maybe, <laughs> maybe a little bit between Harley Quinn and Deadshot in the suicide squad movie. Yeah. But I mean, what, what, what kind of example are you setting when like those two characters exhibit the most heart out of your entire franchise up to that point? You know what I mean? Yeah. I almost, it's funny cause you said suicide squad and I, I'm not even really thinking of that movie when I'm thinking of the DCU because that movie was such a throwaway movie for me. I just don't it care was about better. It, it was better than Man of Steel and not Man of Steel necessarily, but it was better than there was parts of it that were better than parts of Man of Steel and, and BVS. Like I, I don't hate Suicide Squad. I think actually David Ayer did a pretty good job of setting that movie up. I just don't think that I don't think it was time for that movie yet. No, I, I hated that movie. 
Like, I, I didn't well, hate it. I, well, okay, I won't go so far as to say I hate it. I just definitely did not like it. Like, I, I've mentioned I'm rewatching Batman versus Superman. I, I cannot see on the horizon where I'm ever going to sit down and say, ah, I should rewatch Suicide Squad. The only, I, I might do it as an exercise for the show or something like that, but there's little chance that I'm actually going to rewatch it. So. I, I hated the, the Joker character from it, absolutely, with a passion. Oh, uh, God, much, terrible. Much akin to how much I hated Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. Yeah, that, that is another piece that I mentioned in our thing when I was talking about Gal Gadot. Um, I guess you could say, like, there was a lot of criticism, I think, uh, leveled against uh, people who had criticized Gal Gadot's casting. And I think that's a little bit of a straw man. Like, I criticized, um, notably, you can go back and listen to the old episodes. I definitely criticized the cast gal gadot initially um uh i'm sorry uh obviously i i i'm eating the crow uh wholeheartedly uh, she she's totally awesome uh she did an amazing job in the movie and she's and, and now i can't picture anything else um but we do the same thing with the guys too so like uh, i'm not gonna like I, there's a lot of things that i'll entertain that i do wrong but this is not an occasion where i'm gonna entertain that i was sexist because i i didn't think that she would be right for the role um because there's other characters notably that i also didn't think that about N- uh, for example i didn't know that heath ledger was gonna be a, dr- a great joker um nobody did i didn't really say i wasn't in the camp that are like oh this guy this is these guys are idiots that was just for me like a, a I mean, big real, maybe, real maybe big chris head nolan, scratcher maybe yeah. chris nolan knew that heath ledger was gonna knock it out of the park but nobody else did yeah um but there's some other notable ones where it's like yeah i criticized the casting because it seemed like a bad idea and it totally was and so notably those would be jesse eisenberg uh and uh this isn't really a casting choice so much as a characterization choice leto, leto was not a bad choice yeah but the leto character could was totally written. pull it off but the way that they re- wrote that character yeah. is just fucking terrible i didn't i didn't like the way they wrote him at all um yeah yeah I mean, you know, if I were them, um, I would have distanced myself from Ledger's portrayal at all, which means that Leto probably would have never hit my radar as a casting choice um, because he's a little bit too reminiscent uh, of Leto. He's, you know, Leto is actually old at this point, like he's 40, I think, um, but he doesn't look it. He doesn't come across that way at all. Um, yeah, Leto, so- Leto was uh, he he was like the, the teen heartthrob in my so-called life back in the 90s. So, yeah, he's he's been around for a while. I want to say he's like 40 now. But anyway, he doesn't look that way, though. Like he comes across on the screen as being, um, you know, something like 25, like he's perpetually 25. So I, I probably wouldn't have cast him because he, he looked a little bit too or would be a little bit too reminiscent of um, Ledger's Joker, which he totally was in the movie. He totally came across as overly reminiscent or a little bit of a caricature of Ledger's Joker. Joker, just with really shitty tattoos and, and fucking stupid bling everywhere. Um, Leto's actually 45. Yeah. Holy nuts. That's which insane. Means, which means he was playing the 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 um, male love interest of, of Claire Danes in My So-Called Life when he was in his mid-20s playing a high school character. Nice. Um, which, which, I mean, come on, there's been other guys that have been far older than that playing high school characters. But I mean, like Dawson's Creek, everybody was like 35. Uh, playing um, high school characters. So. Uh, what's his name? Michael Cutlass from uh, Walking Dead. Yeah. Uh, is that his name? Cutlass? Cutlass? Yeah, whatever. I think yeah. I think that's close to it. Um, he played a high schooler in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and he was like 30 when he did it. So <laughs> it was only in one episode. but Awesome. Um, anyway, that... that- I don't know. Just the wrong casting choice. But we're we're talking about Wonder Woman. So yeah, like I said, I'll I eat the crow. She, she... I, there wasn't there wasn't the, the, okay. Here's another another thing. This is another standout, uh, noticeable thing from Wonder Woman that shouldn't be noticeable, but it is because of how bad some of the other casting choices in the other DCE movies were. There wasn't necessarily a bad casting choice in this movie. There was some character direction that went 
haywire. Yeah. With like what you were talking about with um like uh poison the, and Lutendorf. Yeah, with Lutendorf, yeah. Um but overall the actors that were cast were perfectly competent actors and and well, were... see, the only controversial casting choice I think here, when you really think about it, is probably gonna be um Thulis, uh, as Ares. And that actually worked. I, th- I, I thought that worked. I don't, I don't necessarily yeah. It would have only been controversial, I think, if he failed. Which he didn't. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um so anyway, uh, when it when it comes to casting and stuff like that, I'm still going to criticize male or female if I think it's a bad choice, and I'm still going to come back later and say uh, I totally fucked that one up. Um, yeah. So I, I just you know that was another thing that came across. Um, you know, reading I, I read a lot of different articles and pieces that were saying like, well, you know, if you 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 were criticizing Gal Gadot for being too small or something like that, you're a sexist or something like that, and I was like, well, no, well, I just and, and I like the I, comic books and I know what the source looks like. I'm and, a dick. I'm a dick just because I was like, well. I don't like her accent for Wonder Woman, right? Well, then you look at a fucking globe. Israel and Greece are like literally across the Mediterranean <laughs> from one another. Like they're not geographically that far apart. Yeah, that's that's getting over the Amerocentrism, Amerocentrism <laughs> yeah. that a lot of us in America have when we we hear something that's not an American accent. Because for us, you can go thousands of miles before you hit a different country. Uh, um, whereas if you're from most other places in the world, um, there's lots of different accents around you all the time. So yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's anything me else? apologizing for being a dick. That's <laughs> yeah. Anything else we want to talk about with Wonder Woman? No, man, just go see it. I mean, if you haven't seen it already. Uh, we're sorry because we just totally ruined the movie for you. Well, I mean, if you're <laughs> yeah, if you're still hanging in, maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. Um, but it's 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 definitely worth the watch. It's probably worth a couple watches. Yeah, um, the only I've seen thing, it twice. I, I'm not sure I'm done seeing it. You know, at this point. But the only other thing I'll say is that um, this movie it's going to be a little hard to go into this movie at this point and not feel like it's not all it was hyped up to be. Because the hype surrounding this movie is pretty ridiculous at this point, and I will say, like, if you go in it with a fresh lens, if you just go in and say, like, I'm just, I'm just gonna go see a movie, forget about the Rotten Tomato score, forget about the box office, it's a good movie, um, and it's a good movie, especially re- compared to the rest of the DCU, and it definitely is. It feels like, hopefully, we'll see if the rest of the movies come out, but it definitely feels like it could be a turning point for the DCU. So, um, uh, I would still check it out. I just I, don't go in with too high expectations because at this point, it's been hyped like the second coming, and it's not quite that good of a movie, but it is really fantastically close. good. It's close. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go one, I'm gonna go one step further than you. I'm gonna say, like, I, this movie's amazing. There was parts of it when I was watching it that I was just like, I well, kind of felt like a little kid again because it was, it yeah. was so, well done. It got it got like a ninety three on Rotten Tomatoes, and I don't think it's quite a ninety three. But I also wouldn't I go lower than eighty five. I for sure think it's a ninety three. When I actually and I didn't put it on the list because it would have taken us a long time to go through the fifty or so comic book movies that were in there. But like somebody put a comprehensive list together of all the Rotten Tomato scores of every comic book movie ever made. Yeah, and uh, um. There was stuff up there that was toward the top that, nece- that shouldn't have necessarily been as high as it was. And there was things that were toward the bottom of the list or, you know, middle of the list that should have been higher. But this movie, I think, is the third highest rated comic book movie of all time on Rotten Tomatoes. And I think I think that's a good place for it. I don't I don't necessarily think that that's not justified. Yeah. Um, I Dark Knight and Winter Soldier. I mean, I Winter Soldier was know. lower on the list in that movie in that thing that I thought it should have been although i think they have the same score but when you take the adjusted score for 
the amount of reviews versus see in the dark Knight doesn't surprise me at all but i also think that that movie isn't as good as it gets credit for either like i think that that what gets credit what steals credit for that movie is ledger as the joker um that movie otherwise is not as remarkable as it's it's painted to be um so anyway maybe i'm just a contrarian maybe i just don't like anything enough but um uh uh, I, i can accept that I'm just saying, like, if if you're like me, it, it, uh, you'll probably go into this movie and feel a little bit underwhelmed only because you've had this movie way, way overhyped. I, I'm just saying, if you go in with fresh eyes, you're going to be really happy, I think, during, Eddie, during the Eddie whole Eddie was legitimately upset with me because I wouldn't go see this opening week. <laughs> and it wasn't because I didn't want to, because I, I really did, like, with every fiber of my being, I wanted to go see this movie when it opened. Um, but I have three daughters, two of which were not going to be able to join me until this weekend to go see it. And I, I made a, a promise to them that I wouldn't go see it without them because I felt like this was an important movie to make Take sure them that to. they were yeah. part of. So, um, so I waited and went and saw it with my daughters and they all loved it. So and that's yeah. another thing too. Like this is, this is another one of those movies where it's like, they go with me to see all the comic movies if, if they can. But this one, especially like this, I, I feel like this movie was made more for them and, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good place to close off. Um, let's talk Marvel. I mean, it's almost hard to talk Marvel at this point just because this movie was really that good. And it's the first time I've ever been like, well, you know, Marvel's kind of got a high bar now with, with the next couple of things they got well, going out. I'm just, I'm really fucking glad to see that, uh, the DC, DC universe is actually even on the same, uh, they're playing the same game at this point because, um, the last couple of movies from DC, it, it really felt like DC was playing like, checkers and Marvel was playing chess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to, to put it politely. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously the, the last few DC movies have made a ton of money, so at least they're successful in that regard. But everybody, you know, us real fans are, are not necessarily like, oh, well, at the box office is all that matters. Um, we, we've been kind of sitting along waiting for DC to make a movie that's comparable. You know, like previous to Wonder Woman, uh, when we listed the top 10 uh, uh, um, comic book movies, I'm not sure a DC film would have hit the list aside from The Dark Knight. Um, yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, there's, I don't know. there's that. I don't know. The, the, the original 1978 Donner Superman is, is kind of up there just because. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying, if you got to go back, uh, um, like everything else I, I mean, can think of, would, does I it, probably would have to go back earlier than 2000. VFX wise, it doesn't hold up to what we have these days, but in, in terms of like, uh, you characterization know, their, their whole tagline was, you will believe a man can fly, and, and, and it accomplished that. And that, oh, yeah. So, so and, I gotta put and that not gonna up lie, there, I got some, I got some hardcore nostalgia for that movie. Like I, I, yeah. I remember, like I saw that movie when I was three or four, and all I, I, and then I got some Superman jammies, and I just never wanted to change well, out of those. And that's things another one that. of those movies where, like, you look at the casting of the lead role, and that is, and that that's Christopher Reeve, and like, I mean, I didn't think, you know, these days it's like, yeah, maybe. But then, like, he does it. He puts on the tights, and then, like, you're like, yeah, that's Superman. I, I, I can do that. Well, for me, at this point, Christopher Reeve is still the bar by which I measure any other Superman. Well, and that's what I appreciate. I I didn't like Superman Returns much at all. Like, I felt like there was really an hour of good content in the middle of two other hours of not-so-good content. Yeah. Um, but DC, Brandon, but Brandon Routh, yeah. Brandon Routh did an amazing job of, of filling the Chris Reeve boots. Yeah. Uh, which he doesn't get enough credit for, I don't think. 
Well, that, that, that's actually one of the criticisms of the movie, too, is that um, Brandon Routh kind of came in uh, d- riffing off of Chris Reeve a little bit. But it and, was a continuation of that series. That's what yeah. a lot of people don't understand is, like, th- this wasn't a reboot. In an age where everything is a reboot, they waited fucking 30 years to make another well, Superman see, that's, movie that's funny. and then didn't reboot it. Because they they didn't, but they sort of did. Because it, it was sort of a reboot in that that movie clearly took place after Superman 2, not Superman 4. <laughs> Right. So they the, didn't acknowledge Superman three or four. Yeah, it was sort of like a soft reboot. But anyway, that's a weird way to talk about the Black Panther trailer. So it, it is, but I mean, it's the whatever show. Yeah, <laughs> come on, guys. <laughs> um, so Black Panther trailer came out this week. Um, and it looks super good. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm having a hard time even remembering it at this point because uh, the, you um, know, I'm sorry, it's, got, it's just a bad uh, week for anything else to happen. The, the, the fucking hand. Uh, I can't remember his name. From Age of Ultron, he's one of the bad guys when they go to Wakanda to, to steal the vibranium. Oh yeah, um, the only guy he he's in the trailer and he's like, "I'm the only one that's ever been there," and it's not actually what you think it is. They yeah. they're, they're playing these backwater hillbillies, but it's it's yeah, yeah El Dorado. I can't remember his name, and I wish I could, but uh, it's, he barely gets a name in the movie, so it's no. But it's amazing because it's it's one of the Age of Ultron for what it was was not the best of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, it was it was good. It was okay. It was not great. I mean, I don't put it up there with uh, Winter Soldier or Civil War by any means, but it was it was it was a decent flick. Um, but this is this is again that movie had a lot of important uh, important plot points that are starting to pay off in different ways. Uh, Civil War, of course, uh, you know you had the um, the payoff the Sokovia Accords and all that with the Sokovia Accords and all that kind of stuff. But this is different. This is a character that they introduced in that movie. And for all intents and purposes, could have been a throwaway character that you didn't never see again. But here he is again, in as as it's relevant to the Black Panther and whatnot. Yeah. So, um, there there's seeds seeds that are planted that you don't necessarily know they're that are going to grow yet until they do. Yeah, I'm having a hard. Honestly, I'm having a hard. I should have gone and watched the trailer again before the show because I'm having a hard time remembering a lot about it. A lot um, of it is Wakanda. Like you, you don't yeah. see much. You see a little bit of stuff that looks almost kind of like it was taken out of Civil War with him running past the cars and shit like this that. This is very much a teaser, and yeah. th- that's the thing. It's I a guess two-minute teaser, though. That it does stick out in my mind. The thing that we do see is that Wakanda is, um, you know, like when you see Wakanda in. Uh, Age of Ultron, uh, you don't really see Wakanda. You see the the representatives of them, and what you're probably picturing in your head is like um, some you know sort of uh, South African nation or something like that. Um, but that's not it at all. Like, oh god, Michael B. Jordan's in this movie. When you see this movie, uh, um, when you see this trailer, it kind of reveals that Wakanda is far more advanced than basically anywhere else on Earth, and so it'll be interesting to see how they play that. We kind of already got a little teaser of that at the end of uh, Civil War Two. Um, because, you know, they, they take Bucky to the most advanced medical facility they have. And that's, uh, of course, uh, Panther's, uh, Wakandan lab thingy. So, yeah. um, it's Ulysses Claw is the oh, character okay. I was thinking. And that's Andy Serkis that plays him too. It's almost rec- that's why recognizable. He looks, yeah. That's why he looks recognizable at least a little bit. Because, like, because Andy Serkis doesn't usually play Andy Serkis or anything yeah. like that. He's usually... Covered in dots and covered in dots, yeah. CGI. He's he's in the green suit with the tennis balls on it. Yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, Black Panther trailer is totally cool. You should check it out. I'm I'm still excited. You know, as much as I sound sort of blasé about it, I'm still super excited about the Marvel U. No, I am, and I really really want to go see this movie. I am just like just, all of the other ones. So it, it's really hard to be super excited about it when you've just seen Wonder Woman and you finally saw DC knock something you know, out of the park that's the thing too like um 
uh, we've talked about this on the show before. As much as I love Marvel properties, um, I feel like in my heart, I've always kind of been a little bit of a DC guy. Um, and don't get me wrong. Like there are certain exceptions to that. Like Spider-Man is probably one of my favorite heroes ever. Um, but for the rest of the thing, I, I really kind of see myself being a little bit more of a DC guy. Um, especially, you know, having grown up and having the big nostalgia for Superman. Like I got to say the most hype I'd, hyped I've been for a movie in a long time was for Man of Steel. Um, obviously that that didn't work out so great um and then of course batman versus superman i'm like oh they're gonna turn it around here uh and that didn't work out so great so when wonder woman comes out and finally fucking gets dc right um that's really really exciting for me uh and so it's really kind of hard um it kind of overshadows the rest of the thing yeah uh, for I, me. I, I talked to eddie about this earlier and i was like you know this sets a high bar like now spider-man and thor and the justice league have to have to own up to this because i as far as i'm concerned i've already seen the best comic book movie that 2017 has to offer yeah and don't get me wrong um i'm still totally gonna go to every single marvel movie well absolutely. it's still totally awesome um i'm just saying like the you know like these these guys have felt like the underdogs now for a bit and i'm really excited to see them finally stepping up and, and competing with the big boys which is you know the marvel franchise at this point because it, it's been owned by marvel for the last you know 10 years at this point uh, uh so for dc to finally start getting a real hitter uh, um it's kind of hard for it not to permeate all of my thoughts about this kind of shit so yeah um Anyway, Black Panther trailer was totally awesome. You should go check it out. Links are in the show notes. That's if you want to go check those out, by the way, whatever.co slash 87. We're on 87 of these bitches. Um, whatever.co slash 87. Of course, it's probably in your podcast player too, but just if in case. If your podcast player is worth its salt, then yeah, you can definitely click on the links. Um, I actually, this is a good segue. I mean, we're not done talking Marvel yet. We're going to talk a little bit more about Marvel, but I did want to mention I've been using Apple Podcasts a lot lately Mm -hmm. um i don't anymore i actually switched for one reason not because the apple podcasts is a shit app because it's actually a pretty decent app here's here's the catch it is a shit app actually compared to pretty much all the other yeah here's here's the catch for me though for me if i'm designing the apple watch i'm designing apple support or apple watch support for my flagship podcast player out of the gate apparently i'm not apple because there's shit for support for it on the Apple Watch. I Which, got Overcast, and boom, I can... Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> I have access to my playlist. I have access num- to all of it. Number like, one, it's fantastically crazy that Apple Podcast app doesn't really support the Apple Watch out of the, out of the box uh, um, on the Apple Watch, because that's one of the few things that the Apple Watch... Like, there's a... there's When you have such a small, constrained device, there's a few things that it's just never going to be good at. Like, you could make the device play movies... And it's still going to be a shit way to experience a movie. Um, yeah. um, sort of like Steve Jobs said, you know, like nobody wants to watch a movie on a tiny screen. Well, in this case, I think they're probably right. Nobody wants to watch a movie on a tiny ass screen on, on the Apple Watch. Um, but for podcasts, that's exactly the type of thing that it's a shoe in for. Like uh, runners, people who exercise, people who just walk around with the goddamn thing. It's an absolutely brilliant use for the thing. So that Apple uh, having a blind spot to the podcast app, really ridiculous. Uh, secondarily, you should listen or you should check out Overcast because I've been recommending it for a really long time. Now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm using Overcast. And um, one of the things I like about it is I can actually um, send uh, podcasts directly to the Apple Watch, so that if I don't want to take my phone with me when I'm going somewhere, I can just pair uh pair some Bluetooth headphones to the watch itself and listen to the podcast directly from the watch. I don't actually own a pair of headphones that pairs with my watch, though, which is a problem. Weird. 
Yeah. Oh, because you, you only have one. The, the pair of headphones you have is a little older, so. No, I got I got these bad boys, too, but they don't do it either. Really? What the fuck? Uh, I don't know. I don't They're know. They're not HDP? They are. That's weird. You should check into that. Well, wh- these are also, I mean, they've got mic support and whatnot for talking on the phone. And since you can't actually uh, talk through your Bluetooth headset. I doubt on, that should matter. No, it does. It does because the phone app on the phone, on the watch doesn't work through your Bluetooth. It only works through the phone. I know. Well, and so some, whatever, some but headsets I'm just saying. that some headsets I read about it already. Some headsets that have um, phone support don't work well with it. That's. You don't have to try this because I have another. My my Bluetooth cans um, do also have the phone support. I'm curious if they work. See, the the thing is, is is I'm there may be a problem with the Bluetooth um, on my watch, also, or or because it's paired to my phone, I may have to unpair it from the phone and then pair it. With no, the headset. that's that's certainly not the case. Well, they've some of the articles that I've read have indicated that that might be the case. That's not how so Bluetooth works, though. It so, shouldn't. If yeah, if that's that's either a bug or or some sort of flaw, because you can definitely pair multiple Bluetooth yeah. things at, at at a time. Because I frequently do that now. Now that since I'm on the iPhone Seven with their fucking no blue uh, no headphone jack, I have a Bluetooth headset that I use with most of my devices now. So I frequently pair three or four different Bluetooth things with you know various various devices. So yeah, yeah. that'd be insane. No, here's the thing: it's not that big of a deal to me because I don't actually go anywhere. And wear headphones without my phone, anyway. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I, I don't usually either. Like I, I can. I know that I'm. I can I, pair Bluetooth headphones. I could with probably my watch, do but a I factory don't. reset on the watch, and it would fix it. I just don't care at this point because I have my watch kind of customized to my liking at this point, and I don't want to redo that shit. Yes. Yeah. I feel like if I had a different, like if I were like a runner or something like that, I'd care a lot more about this. And maybe if, if I ever, you know, get back into that, I'd care a lot more about that if, type of thing. And I'd if I was out, a runner, but, I would have spent the extra hundred bucks and gotten the Series Two watch anyway with the GPS and all yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so. But uh, yeah, I don't really, I don't care. So whatever. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Chris Evans a little bit. Let's talk about Chris Evans, Captain America. Um, speaking of runners, speaking on your of left. runners on your left, yeah. Um, <laughs> Captain America, Chris Evans has oh, signed up like that, huh? He has signed on to do another movie. Um, this is kind of a big deal because Chris Evans' contract was reportedly over after Infinity War. Um, he signed on part to do one it. or two, part one. Yeah. Uh, so the notable part here is he signed on at least to finish uh, the series and do another one. So hopefully, I don't know, we could see an extension. Still, maybe he's going to keep going. Like, oh no, I still actually really like doing this and and do another after that. Uh, we'll see. Here's the thing about Chris Evans: in his heart, he believes he's a filmmaker, mm-hmm. and I can see that. He's a pretty talented dude. Um, good dude. Just a good dude. Yeah. So you want to see him succeed anyway, no matter what he does. Um, but he does really, really want to direct. And I'm not saying that that has to take him off the field altogether because there's a lot of people that, that direct and act in movies. Um, but uh, Eastwood, Clint Eastwood is a huge example of that because yeah. he, he actually directs movies that he has a big piece of, which is that's that's kind of a daunting task. Um mm-hmm. And I think Costner, Costner was like that because I think he directed Dance with Wolves, did he not? I think so. Yeah, and and is in it as well. So that's that's kind of a big deal. But um, I'm not sure where we go with the character of Captain America after Infinity War. I know there's been um, some uh, some push from the fan base to have Sebastian Stan pick up the the shield, which I'm actually all for. I, yeah, I think I'm it'd be great. Um, in fact, I'd have been okay with it after Civil War based on how the comic book Civil War ends. 
um, which doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have Chris Evans out. Um, it would be great if they went that direction. And then, you know, Infinity War Part 2, which is actually now Avengers 4, as yet to be titled yep. movie, um, would be great to see uh, Chris Evans repri- reprise his role as Steve Rogers, you know, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, because that's what he does after Civil War. Like, he dies spoilers in the comics like he gets he gets shot slash assassinated whatever um but then it's revealed that he's not dead and he ends up taking a command position in shield while bucky remains captain america for a time so um we got that going for us i'm i i like it i like the fact that he signed on to do at least one more uh downey jr signed on to do at least one more and he's done like three since then so i mean yeah we got that going for us too (laughs) It'll be interesting to see how they go from here because, um, you know, at some point it's not going to be viable to have these guys play these characters. Um, and, and I'll be interested to see how they progress. Like one option is they reboot. Uh, but one of the big, biggest things going for the Marvel universe right now is that it's, uh, the continuity. Um, um, it's also one of the detriments depending on how you look at it. But one of the biggest things they've got going is the continuity. Like we're, we're getting a payoff, you know, something like 10 years into this thing um, with actually like we were getting just talking Infinity about War. Ulysses claw, like his character could have been one and done in, in age of Ultron because it served its purpose in that movie. But now that's paying off years later in 2018, we're going to get a payoff for well, that. And, and I mean like Thanos, we, we, we teased Thanos in, in what, the like first 2011, Avengers. 2012. Something. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, we're we're going six six or seven years to get the payoff for for that. Um, you know, depending on how it is. Um, I mean, I guess it could be even not even Infinity War that we get the payoff for that. It could be whatever the untitled you know Avengers Four is. So, um, needless to say, it's it's kind of a big deal. Um, you know, going forward, I, I'm curious to see how they do that, and I think that they do that probably the way that they've done that before, which is they have somebody else pick up the shield for a little bit, and I think they've kind of already set set up the Winter Soldier, Sebastian Stan for that. You know, oh, yeah. they certainly I should have mentioned that Sebastian Stan is the Winter Soldier slash Bucky, like that's yeah, they they've definitely um given uh, the Winter Soldier a lot more backstory characterization than they have really many of the other non you know Avengers at this point, so. If they're not going to do something big, with Winter the Soldier and Civil War are such great movies. Like it's it's really tough for me to envision something else other than the fact that I know the Russos are directing the next two Avengers movies. So yeah, they, it gives me a lot of a lot of hope. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I'm on board with Chris Evans being back. He's a bit younger than Downey Jr. He is. Yeah. Um, honestly, it, he has a lot more physically demanding of a role though. I, I don't know much about the current state of, of Iron Man um, in the comic books just because I'm not a, I'm, I don't read Iron Man regularly and there's like four different Iron Man titles. Yeah. Um, but I have been reading uh, Secret Empire, which you're going to need to get caught up on because we're going to want to talk about that at some point soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind if they went the Ironheart direction with the Iron Man character following Infinity War. If, if Downey Jr. wants to kind of step down from that, um, we have, uh, I think her name is Riri Williams in the comic books. And I it's, no idea. it's, it's a chick. I know, I know what you're talking about, but I, I don't know who she is. Yeah. It's, it's a chick and she takes, she, she gets the Iron Man suit and whatnot. But, um, Tony Stark has kind of been relegated. Like he's, he's kind of an AI at this point because I think he's in a coma or whatnot, but like his, his consciousness is, is every bit Tony Stark. Like it's, yeah, I have seen that. The, 
the Secret Empire series is pretty funny because like they even make allusions, like the other characters make allusions to like, is he has he been drinking again? And he's he's literally <laughs> a computer program at this point. <laughs> That's nice. So um and you can you can you can read you can read the dialogue from this character from the AI of Tony Stark in in the Downey Jr. voice. Like if you can hear it in your head, like you can read it like that and it totally plays. So Oh yeah, definitely. Uh anyhow. Um so we'll talk about that in a future episode because uh, I think we're only like halfway through Secret Empire, but there's a lot of good tie-ins to it that I've been reading too. So yeah, I'll I'll get you up to speed on which ones you should read. Okay, so that's Marvel. Let's uh, let's uh, take a little break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm guessing Eddie has to pee. All right, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones final season features the longest episodes ever, with a running time I think as high as 81 minutes. And I'm guessing dragons. There's probably going to be dragons. fewer episodes though. Fewer episodes, but yeah, but we, I think that's how they're circumventing the fewer episodes with the eighty-one minute episodes. Well, I think at this point it's going to be kind of like um, Sherlock. Who you know, you can talk we're about that talk if you about want that. to. Yeah, we're going to talk yeah, about that. After uh, Matt's been here. watching Sherlock, and um, interesting thing about Sherlock is there's only three episodes per season series. Uh, sorry, per series. Yes. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, fellow Britannians uh, or not fellow Britannians, just you know, brothers from another mother across the pond or whatever. Um, the the uh it's kind of like that in that there's only three episodes but they're all 90 minutes long you know they're basically movie length episodes you're like you're watching three movies per series and i think that's going to be we're getting out of game of thrones but we're going to get seven or eight episodes uh uh, per season the last couple seasons of sons of anarchy are kind of that way where like you would get like an 80 minute episode um every couple episodes were were extended length and whatnot yeah in fact one season even had like it the episode was an hour long but it was presented commercial free by harley davidson wow you know kind of one of those things so that's ballsy that was i think season six episode one was like was that i don't remember specifically but um so anyway i I I plan on actually watching this series throughout the the course of the summer as well so i can get caught up you should it's really good um it, it it is a little bit harder to watch in that it's not really a popcorn sort of like sit down and have it on his background noise well that's kind um, of my thing is I, I i end up doing other things when i'm watching tv uh, i'm on my phone a lot that kind of a thing yeah and with game of thrones i noticed it's not really one of those that you can do that because it's it's kind of imperative that you catch certain things on there um sherlock is one of the things i've been watching lately and that's one of the things that um I like about it is I don't necessarily have to watch it specifically because it's so cerebral that like, and, and, and you're basically watching it through the eyes of Sherlock Holmes and he definitely pontificates on things quite a bit. <laughs> so well, Sherlock is sort of an interesting one that it, in, in that it's a uh, smart, it, it's a, it's a kind of mediocre show pretending to be really smart. Whereas G- game of Thrones is, is sort of like a mediocre uh, or a smart show pretending to be mediocre in a lot of places. Yeah. And, and so there's a very big difference in the way that those things are shown. It, it just, it expects a lot more out of you as a watcher um, of the show uh, as far as, you know, connecting dots and stuff like that. Whereas Sherlock, you know, like famously Sherlock, Sherlock has the exposition. The dots yeah. for you. Yeah. And then it's, it's still done in a satisfying manner most of the time. Um, so anyway, Sherlock, let's talk about that then. Okay. So I had watched, um, the first episode and a half of the second episode a couple years ago. And it's not that it wasn't good. It's just that I started watching it right about the same time that a bunch of other stuff was happening. And so I got caught up in that. And then I don't know if anybody else is like this, but when I've watched half of something and then six months go by, I'm like, well, do I watch the first half of that again? Cause it's been long enough. 
because uh, I don't really feel like if I just pick up where I left off that I'm going to remember everything. But then I'm like, well, I don't want to watch half of it again. Yeah. I've already done that. So, <laughs> um, so I waited. And then just this last week, um, actually days ago, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start episode two over again. I'm not going to watch episode one again, but I'm going to, I'm going to start episode two over again. Um, and watch it. I finished, I finished the first series and then I finished the second series, uh, this morning and then watched the first two episodes of series three, uh, today. And so I have, um, series three, episode three to go. And then the Christmas special is mm-hmm. technically part of season or series three, I guess. Cause it's, it's, that's where it is on that, yeah. on Netflix. So, um, Really like the Jim Moriarty character. I was just going to say, uh, w- w- if you had to rank them, season uh, one, two, or three. Which season two so far. Season oh, yeah, two so sure. far, just because it's... Plus, like, okay, and here's the other thing that I'm going to I'm gonna praise the show a lot for. Um, and this is spoiler heavy, so if you haven't watched Sherlock and it's something that's on your list of things to do, um, give me about ten minutes. I'm not going to... Well, five minutes. I'm not going to talk about it that much, but... Um, so that was your warning. Here we go. Series two, episode three, ends with the presumed suicide of Sherlock. And so I'm like... Presumed suicide. Uh, well, yeah, Sherlock. That is that one. Yeah. And so then I'm just like, well, there's two more seasons at this point. And I'm so... So I'm just like, well... They can go one of two ways. That he faked his death, which the way they shot the end of that was like, that'd be really hard to do. And then... I was like, or they can do a series of like, oh, these are just other things that happened before the end of this show. Like the the series actually ended at the end of series two, but then there there's other adventures that you didn't so catch. And I want to give you a little backstory on this because um, there's this is interesting. Um, the end of se- series two um, with the the, the death um, almost was knows- the end of the show. No, everybody knows Sherlock's coming back. Like, at this point, everybody knows Sherlock does not die. I mean, I guess it's a question of whether or not the show gets renewed, but everybody knows Sherlock does not die. So the question now becomes, how does he not die? So there's. It wasn't, it wasn't actually that. It was, um, a matter of whether or not Benedict Cumberbatch was going to make the time to continue to do it. I mean, but I'm just saying, like, in universe, if you just forget the real world considerations, everybody knows Sherlock does not die. Um, so the question. I'm going to interrupt for just a minute. Go ahead. I just took my first drink of the last beer that I poured, which is Hopsmack from Cascade Lakes. Yeah. Delicious beer. Good. I'm just throwing that out there. Well done. We've actually been drinking good beer all night, but I haven't had a Hopsmack since like last year sometime, and this is amazing. Well done. So, all right. Anyway, we so know he lot. doesn't die. So, um, the 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 interim um, between season series two and three is nothing but speculation about how he does not die. Um, so we have theory after theory from all sides, uh, Tumblr, Reddit, etc. Uh, oh know, God, I should go back and read some of the across. Tumblr theories because those have got to be gold. Some of them are really ridiculous, but there were a few predominant theories about how this happens based on the scenes. And I don't remember specifically enough that I can go into depth about them now. Um, but that's what basically series three, episode one is, is all of the most predominant theories, uh, played out on screen. I love it because it opens, it opens with this and you're just like oh well that's funny that's okay but the, okay. so what the the first one that they show is him with the bungee cord yeah and i was like well that's really dumb because they didn't have the bungee cord and at, at this point like i'm assuming 
that they're trying to set up how he's not dead. Yeah. And then you find out like two minutes later that it's actually just this dude like hypothesizing about yeah. how Sherlock might still be alive, even though nobody knows he is at this point. In so time. that that's actually one of the things that I really, really hated about that episode. Series three, episode one is actually probably one of my least favorite episodes because the whole thing is basically lazy ass writing. It is every theory that came across on Reddit, Tumblr, etc., uh, the, or the predominant ones. There's three or four, I think, predominant theories about how he did not die, but it never actually concludes how he did not die. It, it, yes, it simply, does. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. He tells the story. He tells Watson he tells him but then he sort of like winks and is like hypothetically like no i i get the impression that that's how it was but it <laughs> that's one of the things that i really appreciated about that episode though is because like so from the, watching the first two series like you get that sherlock is a dick yeah he is and Which, that that's actually one of the things i like because he's not supposed to be this great you know inspector that we get like from uh data's representation in star trek Right. The next generation, for example. No, he's, he's a dick. He's pretentious. He's an asshole. Excuse me. Um, and I love the fact that, like, they're diffusing this bomb on the subway and, like, basically makes John Watson forgive him for not telling him he's alive for two years. And he's like, Oh yeah, click. <laughs> it's like, there's, there's, there's a switch. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually probably one of my favorite aspects of the character yeah. as, as portrayed in this one is that, uh, he'll totally do that. And, and that's funny because, like, there are actual stakes. Like, he knows there's a switch there, but they could have died the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No. And then there's, um, the, <laughs> I was texting Eddie about this episode earlier, the, the second episode of series three, which is the wedding episode where John Watson gets married. Yeah. Um, and he's giving a speech. And like this whole episode is told in a series of flashbacks about different different capers as he's giving his best man speech and whatnot. Only there's an actual murderer in the in the in the wedding, yeah, and whatnot. But like just his entire speech, like he knows he's not good at these kind of things. It's a social interaction, and and he's terrible at it. And uh, I forget what the line was exactly, but he's sitting down with I think it's uh, the ex boyfriend of the bride. Uh-huh. when he's when he's talking to him about it uh, and and he's just like well you're uh you're a psychopath he's like uh he's like no i'm a high-functioning sociopath yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i i, I just I, the character of sherlock is a refreshing character because you want your heroes your protagonists to be um good people and if there's one thing that you learn from the end of of series two is it's not that he's necessarily a good person. He just chooses to err on the side of, of good. He's, he's actually kind of an anti-hero. Like, yeah. and I really like about the way that they portray that. Like, that's one of the most refreshing bits. I think when you first start getting into the show, um, that's one of the refreshing bits, I think, is because the way that you've seen Sherlock portrayed in popular media for the last hundred years or so um, is he's very much a, like goody two shoes, smarter than everybody detective, you know, like uh, uh, sort of like a Batman. Like it's like the campier side. It's like it's like the Adam West Batman versus the, the Nolan Batman. Uh, and yeah. don't get me wrong. They both have their place. But it's like refreshing in this case because, we're you know, this is the first time we're seeing the Nolan Batman, essentially. Well, you got um moriarty and actually moriarty now you made me think in a series one episode three is also a standout episode which is the episode where you first meet moriarty and it's the episode where he's acting out through the different people that he's holding hostage and whatnot um 
But uh, Moriarty makes the comment in a couple different episodes that uh, Sherlock is ordinary because he's on the side of the angels. And then, like, at the end of series two, and he's like, I'm on the side of the angels, but that doesn't mean I am one. Yeah. And, you know, you make the connection that these two are really, like, cut from the same cloth. It's just that Sherlock makes a conscious effort to try and, even though he's an asshole, he tries to make, make use of his talents, you know, to help people. Whereas Moriarty takes the same talents in, you know, and, and his ultimate goal, he says his ultimate goal is, is, is kind of, he, he's kind of conflicting because on one hand he, he says, well, I don't do this for money. I do this for the challenge. But on the other hand, like he also wants to kill Sherlock, which is the only person that can challenge him. So there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's a bit of a conflict, an internal conflict there, but, uh, and then I also really enjoy the relationship between Sherlock and Mycroft. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> the guy Sh- that got to play Mycroft is amazing. So uh, that's actually one of the writers on the show. That's uh, Mark Gaddis. Is that um, who that is? Yeah, Mark he's Gaddis. Really fucking good. He's a writer on the show. He's actually he also writes for Doctor Who. That's another thing. If you watch anything British for too long, you'll notice that it, it's uh, incredibly incestuous, and that um, everybody does everything all the time. British Hollywood is a lot smaller than Hollywood Hollywood. Yeah, there's like ten guys. I'm pretty sure every every other actor is is uh, um, uh, the same guy uh, or girl. Um, it, it's really funny because I watch um, I watch things like Sherlock and and Benedict Cumberbatch, and I listen to his voice, and I'm like, he could easily voice over for Alan Rickman, like at any point in time, right? Yeah, I've never made that connection, but probably. Yeah, he he definitely could. And then I watch Doctor Strange. And I hear him speak in an American accent for the first time. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, he sounds just like fucking house. <laughs> right? It's funny because every time the Americans do a British accent, I bet all the, all the British people are like, oh, it's the same fucking American British accent, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and we, we do the same thing. I was thinking this, the exact same thing of like a house's American accent is a lot like, uh, uh well, his, his American accent. The so. timber in his voice is so similar. It's ridiculous. But, and then like, my wife overhears an episode the other day, and she's like, ah, he just sounds like uh, Dr. House to me. And I was like, no. No, he sounds like Rickman. Like, <laughs> it, It's funny. We can argue over stupid shit, and that's one of those things. Like, But, yeah. No, his his voice, he's got a, he's got a very, very distinctive voice. Um, you know, I guess that's why he's Smaug as well. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm enjoying Sherlock. I'm, I'm probably going to watch it a bit more, although I work... Schedule this week is weird because I got to work Monday through Friday and I'm not used to that. Yeah. Um, so normally I would spend a good portion of tomorrow watching more TV and instead I'm going to be at work. Yeah. Good luck. Well, you know, it is what it is. Speaking of uh, time, things you don't have time for, Tomb Raider. Yeah. So we talked about Tomb Raider last show. In that time, in the interim, I beat the game. Um, I did it first. Yeah. Matt, Matt beat it before I did. Uh, and In fact, the day after we recorded the last episode, I texted him like mid morning. I was like, "I'm done." Yeah, and then I was like, "Well, fuck. I guess I got to finish it now." Yeah. So uh, it took me another day or two, but I-, I spent a lot of time playing it so I could beat it, so I could be on the same level. And then, of course, he's completed more now than I have. So I think what are you at? Like eighty percent? I'm at eighty three percent. Yeah, eighty three percent completion. Um, this is one of those games where there's a lot of side quest missions, etc. You can do. Um, notably in this game, although although it's called Tomb Raider, Tomb Raiding is not actually the you primary can beat function the game without raiding a single tomb. Yeah. Uh, so. One of the you know side things you can go do is raid a bunch of tombs. So um, you thinking about the way this game is written though, 
you'd have to try to not raid a tomb intentionally just because the first tomb you come across is so easily accessible yeah. that like you kind of wander down that path before you realize that it's not an actual continuation of the storyline. You're like, oh, okay. Yep. Um, yeah. No, I was actually playing a little bit this morning um, and and finished the Shantytown section of the game uh, at, at, at 100% with both tombs raided all the camps found everything everything discovered that's a huge fucking area like you don't realize how big of an area that game is this game actually is pretty large given that it feels fairly um linear but it, it there's is there's a lot of things you can go do and, I, and there's a lot of map to explore too you you unlock fast travel i would say uh, nearly 40 percent 40 percent probably through not the initial storyline yeah something like that and so um you can kind of start going back and forth and whatnot and like my kids really enjoy uh, watching me play, which is odd, yeah, because I'm just like <laughs> one of the one of, one of the things about this game that that I find endearing is that um, bad guys pop up every once in a while, even after you're done with the game. Yeah, and uh, at this point, I've got weapons that are pretty heavily upgraded and all that kind of stuff, and so like I just kind of snipe them off, and my kids are like, "You just annihilate people," and I was like, "Well, I mean." He They're bad guys, in. to be fair. <laughs> yeah. so. S- sweetie, he's sort of a religious zealot. Uh, it's not... It, it's okay. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Emmy, Emmy I, I gave her permission, because we, we, we do that Steam account thing where we can yeah. share our libraries and whatnot. I gave her permission to actually start playing the game if she wants to, because she's... I mean, she's 13. Like, she's... There's nothing in the in Tomb Raider that she's not seen before. It might be a bit creepy for her in parts, just because it, there is the whole religious zealot part where they sacrifice people and you kind of have to wade through a river of blood to get out. Yeah, but I, I think we talked about this before. This game is the spiritual successor to Indiana Jones. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, I kind of put it up there with, like, and, and this game is, is visually it's prettier than, like, the Uncharted series for PS3 uh, and 4, although I do like those games as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're both done. It's just now a matter of 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 us going through and and uh, doing the end clearing game stuff, the end game clearing, stuff yeah. clearing that out. And Eddie's kind of been balls deep in Witcher Three, so I actually barely started it. Honestly, um, I finished a couple books books this week, and I uh, haven't really done much else. So hmm. watch some TV. Any good books? Um, I read. Tech manual. I think we talked about red shirts uh, on the last episode. We did. I've also been reading an author uh, by the name of N.K. Jemison, um, which you mentioned last episode as well. Yeah, I'm reading more in her ago. series. Which so far, everything I've read by her, I've really, really enjoyed. So I'd highly recommend anything, uh, basically, uh, um, with her name on it. Uh, it's all really, really good, uh, and I'm especially because I'm reading her first you know, her debut series, which oftentimes can be a little rocky. Like, uh, Sanderson's another one of my favorite authors, but his debut series compared to his most recent work is really, really vastly, uh, um, better or, um, his debut series compared to his most recent is actually vastly worse. Quite a bit more rudimentary. Yeah. Um, whereas, uh, NK is really good. Solidly. Would you say thing. it's like a new hope compared to empire? Hmm. No. Yeah, that's fair. Um. N- well. Yeah, it's tough. I don't know. I mean, A New Hope kind of stands out of like you know. Well, yeah, that was a good movie. If they never make another one again, but then they did, and it was better. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So what's going on with the Xbox? I didn't read this article. 
Um, so we talked about this in a previous episode as well. Um, rumors of the Xbox uh, project codenamed Scorpio. Um, Microsoft announced it today, at, or maybe not today, but they announced it at E3. It's going to be called the Xbox One X, um, I guess, because all of the other gamer tags were taken. So they had to put X's on the front and back of it like I did, um, you know, when they do that XX, you know, tag name XX, because everything else is sold out until you get 42 X's name 42x's why don't they just call it the xbox 2 because at this point microsoft microsoft just does not nobody at microsoft can count i'm fairly well convinced that nobody at microsoft can count and and their well, naming they strategies called it the xbox 10 <laughs> their naming strategies are just fucking terrible they had the original xbox the next thing they did was the xbox 360 and then they decided to go with the xbox one um to be fair the xbox is not really even a great name like even if you just look at xbox it's not a great name all of the additional additives they've given it with 360 and one also not great names none of those are good um so they really just need to go back to the drawing board and forget that they ever did this and get somebody decent to name it because these are all terrible oh wow it's that's interesting yeah so the one x in addition to having its uh gigabit ethernet port optical and uh and uh 3.5 audio jack out has uh it's supporting two super speed usb3 ports on the back and an hdmi in as well as an hdmi out it does for a console look like a fairly beast of a rig it is it, it does compare pretty favorably to the playstation um 4 pro um, just the fact that it's got the HDMI in, so you can actually watch your cable box through your Xbox. Like it, it, it seems like Microsoft is really, really, really hoping that you're going to use this as your central media hub. They've they've been trying to do that for a long time now. Even going back to the Xbox One or the 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 original Xbox, they've been stealthily trying to sneak it in as the media center. Does does the one have an HDMI in on it as well? I don't know, but I don't think so. Um, so anyway, they've been trying to sneak the Xbox in as the sort of digital hub for your living room or the living room hub, um, which is the thing that we, we talked about a lot five years ago. Um, and this one seems to be like their most credible effort towards that. Um, however, it is $500. That's very high in console terms these days. Oh shit. That said, um, it is a lot more beastly compared to the PlayStation Pro. Which I think is four hundred dollars. I'm not sure. Maybe three fifty. I, w- I would guess it's three fifty. I haven't actually looked at it. Yeah, and it is a lot more capable as a um, sort of media center type of thing. Um, it's getting some criticism because of the rather plain uh, design of the exterior. I actually I'm, really like that. I'm a fan of that. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't like the original Xbox where they tried to go all fucking, you know, like LEDs threw or, up. Or even a, the Alienware. first couple incarnations of the Xbox 360 were kind of... Yeah. yeah. Uh, didn't didn't really like those either. Like, these are all things that are going to go on the media center in your living room, and you don't really want to see them. You want them to blend a little bit. Well, so I like that they kind of went have, with the black I, rectangle. White I have the Darth rectangle. Vader edition of the PS4, so I'm a little bit... I mean... That that's one thing, there, but there's <laughs> there's very few occasions where you want the the right. stock console to be a yeah. talking point on your rig, it, especially because that talking point is usually like, God, that fucking thing is ugly. I I actually like the design of the PS4. 
whether or not it's got a graphic on it or not, I, I like it because it's, I mean, it's basically just an all black thing. And then it's got the one light that goes down the middle of it that the, tells the you. The PS4 is okay. The PS4 yeah. is a little bit more like Xbox, I think, finally got rid of all the pretense. Like the PS4 is like, okay, we're going to make something simpler than the PS, like the, 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 um, non stackable PlayStation 3 with its weird ass shapes and shit like that. No, the, the was PS- kind of ugly. So the P- PS4 was like, okay, we're going to at least make it, you know, like a, um, you know, a simple geometric shape. Um, and, and then the Xbox, at one X is finally like okay, let's just get rid of the pretense. It let's just, just make like a if simple a black Blu-ray monolith. Player. Yeah, 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 and make it as as simple as can be. And honestly, I really wish more media things would do that. Like, because there's no occasion where I really care what the black cha- rectangle uh, looks like. It's it, um, I, I I care about what it does. Yeah, when I'm when there, I'm using just, it. There's no occasion where where I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, oh man, I, I wish it was flashier so that all my friends would know. Um, it's like no, my friends would know because I'm playing it uh, because it's such a good machine. Um, yeah, the one thing I like is is a lot of them that the ones that have the LED lights on it usually have the option to disable them or whatever. Because like the last thing you want is like if you're using it as your media center and you're yeah. watching a Blu-ray or whatever. Um, so you, you turn off all the lights in the living room and, and and get ready for movie night. Then you've got this weird eerie glow coming up yeah. from under your TV. Kind of takes yeah, you out of no, it. No, I never, I never want that. Like, I, I never, honestly, if there was a world where I didn't have to see these boxes at all, um, that's probably the one I'd pick. Like, you see that actually in a lot of high end homes. In a lot of high end homes, you have a media closet where they stuff all this ugly shit, and then you just have a run to the TV, um, the the one thing you actually want to see. Um, and it, if I had the money, that's the way I'd go too. So I, I kind of commend Microsoft because, um, at five hundred dollars, you are kind of paying a lot for a console. Um. But that's that's the way that that is the higher end of the market. Five hundred dollars for a console. If it actually doesn't suck your dick, you're kind of not getting your money's worth out of it. It's worth noting that uh, the PS3 came out at five ninety nine, and that was like fifteen years ago. Or did something it come at out point. at five ninety nine? It did. The original PS3, five ninety nine. Jesus, I paid, I paid three for mine. I think. Yeah. And I bought mine. I bought mine at Costco. And, yeah, and so that was probably late in the game because for a long, long time it was. It was, it was because mine's, mine's a slim design. Um, it's not the, the oh yeah, it's that's, not that's the way, most. Way it's not the most the newest slim design, which is the kind where you actually have to like physically push back the cover of the of the player, like it still actually sucks in the the disc and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the in between one. Gotcha. It was at the time when I bought it. It had the biggest hard drive, which which was five hundred gigs. Um, it came with Uncharted 3 and, uh, the Blu-ray remote. Like, I actually have, like, the remote accessory for it because that's what Costco packaged it with. And it was like nice. three, I think I paid 324 or something like that. That's not too bad. Um, yeah. And it still runs. It's, I mean, it's what I run media from upstairs in my bedroom. Yeah. I mean, Blu-ray really hasn't changed much too. So, uh, I mean, you're not, you're not going to lose there. The most that it really use that it really gets right now is, is I've got, uh, a Plex player. A Plex player upstairs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's really what I do is I stream my Plex library to it. Yeah. So. Okay. Last up, um, I want to talk about very briefly. Eddie um, bought a wiretap. I did. Um, <laughs> I was like, hey, government, you know all that shit I say about you all the time that's not on the podcast? You should hear that stuff too. Uh, no, I bought the Amazon uh, uh, Echo Dot. It is a $50 little hockey puck looking thing um, that you plug in and... It's actually pretty cool. Eddie um, just walks around screaming obscenities at it now. 
Yeah. Hey, Alexa, play some fucking music. And it totally does. Um, no, uh, no, I don't know. I, I should try the whole screaming obscenities thing and see if it notices. Uh, but uh, it's actually really, really neat. Um, I, I've, I've actually kind of liked it so far. Uh, and this is one of those things that I clearly see being in the future. Like, I'm already, like, I've only got one. It was 50 bucks. I bought the cheap one. Um, they, they go up to, I think, um, right now the, the big boy is on sale for 140 bucks. Um, and that's got the nice speaker that you can actually use for, like, you know, playing music on purpose. Um, the, the, the little guy you can play music through and stuff like that, but it, it, it is kind of a shitty little, like it's an upgrade from a cell phone speaker, but it's not a big upgrade from a cell phone speaker. Um, other than being louder. Um, so anyway, the, the, I think it's a big magnets in those things. Yeah, they, they, (laughs) it it is, um, it is pretty impressive. Like you, you get the little hockey puck thing and it is pretty heavy, um, heavier than I expected because the speaker actually is the full on Alexa is, pretty fucking heavy yeah it's, it's nice um i i haven't really played played with it um it is on sale for 140 bucks so i'm not gonna lie it, it's in it, i've had that uh, like i keep like hovering over that for later on your yeah, shopping I, cart i keep hovering over the like buy now button um but it's really really cool and this is one of those things that i could totally see having in the house all the time so the other thing that i have uh that makes this really really uh good for me is the um harmony shit have you ever used any of the logitech harmony stuff yeah a little bit so they have this uh product called the harmony hub um i think you can get it for like 80 bucks now Um, which is approximately the same price as the harmony remote (laughs) yeah so the 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 logitech harmony stuff the idea is like the the it's the grown-up universal remote um so there's a lot of other universal remotes on the market, but basically what you do is you switch between one mode and you can control the thing and not do a very good job. And then you can switch to another mode and control the different device and not do a very good job. The idea between the Harmony Hub especially is that um, you can um, program activities. So, for example, if you want to watch TV and when you watch TV, the TV is on, it's set to input one, it uses the cable box, uh, which is, uh, you know, turned on, and you also watch it through your, you know, speaker system or whatever, your receiver. So you press one button on your Harmony remote and it turns all that shit on. Um, and it does it and it knows everything. And then when you press the volume button, it knows that you want to control the, uh, um, theater system rather than the TV or the, rather than the TV. Um, you don't have to constantly switch back and forth and, you know, figure out which input is which and stuff like that. And it's really not a perfect system because it's working off of a broken paradigm of like controlling inputs and stuff like that. Um, so Honestly, there's occasions the harmony, where the harmony system is almost outdated at this point just because, um, your TV remote or your cable box remote or anything like that do such a good job of of controlling other devices now that it's like my my tv is hooked up to my soundbar and i have my tv set to ignore tv audio and only come out through the soundbar and whatnot and my cable box that i have from comcast controls all of it yeah like the i i really appreciated the harmony uh product when it was first developed because really your cable box didn't used to give a fuck whether or not it controlled anything else other than the cable box and your tv remote didn't give a fuck if it controlled your audio or yeah so anyway anything else as far as a universal remote goes it, it's still probably the best universal remote product um but where it's really interesting here is that with the harmony hub you can control it with a smartphone app um yeah. so you really get every single function that you can get out of a um 
Which Vizio, that's the only place you're really lacking is having a smartphone app that can control your shit. Yeah. So um, you, you can control it with a smartphone app, which means anything that you can control via a universal remote, which is pretty fucking much everything you're going to put under your TV, um, you can control with your smartphone. Um, the other useful thing about this is that um, because it's a digital device, you know, that's on the internet, you can control it with other things too. So in this case, I can, I can yell shit at the air, you know, like, uh, hey, hey. Hey, 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 dingus, um, turn on the TV and it knows that I mean, um, I want to watch my Apple TV now. And so it sets the input right and it turns on the Apple TV and it does all that. Did, other shit. did you name your, your dot dingus? No, it's just that when you say the, the real trigger word, anybody that's listening to those with a trigger word is going to automatically have that listening. You should uh-uh. do it just to fuck with everybody that listens to our podcast. That might <laughs> there's have actually one. there's actually a wonderful article where um, 6,000 people bought uh, um, a, a, a dollhouse or something like that because somebody on a news broadcast said um the 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 trigger word um in talking about this particular story and it it uh, caused the thing to buy a dollhouse does, for everybody connected so does does um does alexa have a safe word <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i'll ask her when i get home um so anyway, when when Can you, you order Tina some roses, yeah, when you when you say the thing, of, of course it listens. That's the other thing I'm impressed with. Um, I have. Do you ever use the Hey Siri thing on your phone? I have Hey Siri. It sucks though, right? Um, well, it didn't turn on just now, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's it is literally literally sitting three feet from your mouth. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm very impressed because for for a fifty dollar device, it hears me way better than any of my other Apple shit does. Yeah. Um, Hey Siri, go fuck yourself. Yeah, it doesn't understand. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's some engineer at Apple. It's like, this is one of our most common phrases. We should probably (laughs) program a thing. Um, Anyway, um, I'm impressed because it really does hear me. Like, um, it's fairly far away and it really does hear me and it really does get everything right. The other thing, too, that I really like about it, and this is a big lesson, Apple. Apple, if you're listening, please, for fuck's sake. Um, get out of your, get your heads out of your ass because the one thing that I like about this thing that, um, almost none of my Apple shit does very well is integration. Um, so for example, I listen to Spotify. Um, it does not mind. It'll totally integrate with Spotify. I just say, uh, Hey Dingus, um, play Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden and it just plays it. It knows that I have Spotify. It just does that thing. It integrates with Harmony. Um, so I can, you know, say, Hey, turn on the TV and it totally does. Um, or I could say, Hey, let's play PlayStation and it totally plays PlayStation. Does it Um, turn on your PlayStation? Yeah. Um, I think. So you have to have the HDMI, the smart HDMI so that when it switches, you can put it on. No, you know what? It It does not. It does not. Uh, I think it can because you can pair it with Bluetooth and there's limited Bluetooth functionality. You shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to. If, if, uh, it's CEC support. Oh yeah, if yeah. If you have CEC turned on on your TV, then it should. Yeah, switch I never that really it should turn it fuck on. Fuck with CEC because it also goes through a receiver. So my receiver is an HDMI receiver. So all mm. of my actual inputs go through the receiver to the TV. My TV oh. only has one dumb input. So I could mess with CEC stuff, but man, get a better TV, dude. From what I hear, it doesn't work out. CEC does not work in practice very often. The no, here's the thing. It's actually really great. Um, even my 26 inch Vizio smart TV that I have upstairs, which is fucking old like it's i don't know um, old it's old it's old but it's it's flat panel uh led all that kind of stuff the only reason it sucks the only time it ever sucks is if you're using something like a raspberry pi yeah 
because the Raspberry Pi, for whatever reason, um, it, when you hit shutdown on it, depending on what ROM you're using or what, what build of, of uh, Linux you have running on the Pi, doesn't always stay shut down. And so you can be in the middle of watching TV and all of a sudden the pie will turn itself back on and then it will automatically turn turn back onto that input because it's like, oh, new input. We're going to go here. Yeah, my TV will do that, I'm pretty sure. Like, if I want to, my TV can't automatically switch to the input that's uh, uh, sucking whatever from it. But, but I, I don't do that because I, I don't want that to happen. What's, what's great about it, though, for that, for um, like the PlayStation purpose, though, is like both the PS3 and PS4 recognize the EC. And so if you you know, say your PlayStation is attached to input three or whatever, you switch your TV to input three, it'll automatically turn on. So Alexa could theoretically do that if you had CEC enabled on multiple inputs on your TV. Yeah. But since everything runs through one input on your TV, it wouldn't really matter. Yeah. I've just started playing with it. So like, I know that I can get it to switch inputs and stuff like that. So that it'll turn on the, the only missing piece is that it doesn't automatically turn on the PlayStation, which is fine because anytime I want to turn on the PlayStation, I want the controller anyway, because the other downside is that, uh, controller support or support for PlayStation four. Um, if you're not using a controller is really, really limited. Um, well, in really asinine ways. So, uh, it's just pretty stupid anyway. Like it's like, um, you have to push a button on this thing in order for us to work. Yeah. Yeah. So press your controller button, then you can use your third party thing. And it's like, well, if I didn't want to use my controller, then why, you know, it, it just doesn't make any sense. So I haven't really gone down that far, but there's a few things that I want to talk about in relation to this thing. Number one, Apple. Um, I have my watch on me. My watch cannot hear my Hey Siri shit. Um, nearly as often as Alexa can hear me from across the room. So my watch, when I hold it up to my fucking mouth and say, Hey Siri, it does not hear me and get it right nearly as often as Alexa does from across the room. From a conspiracy theorist point of view, though, your watch isn't meant to be a wiretap. <laughs> well, I, I'm not I'm not convinced that the Alexa thing is meant to be a wiretap either. Um, I'm not convinced that that's what its original intent was. It, but I'm also not convinced that the NSA doesn't know how to use that technology to its advantage whenever it wants. I uh, see. I don't think that's the case. I think that if anything, the nefarious dealings that I think with uh, this is that Amazon wants to listen all the time, because if you're talking about like, oh, you know, I'm trying to decide what toilet paper to order. And, you know, I really like the Cottonelle thing. Like, I'm not convinced that Amazon wouldn't take that data that it can hear and, and use that. Um, <laughs> things you might be interested in. <laughs> Cottonelle. 64 um, pack of Cottonelle toilet tissue. But but I, I'm not convinced that the NSA is willfully tapping into that shit all the time. I will say that if Apple made a product that were comparable in, in strength and skill to the, the Amazon thing, I'd buy that in a heartbeat because I know Amazon's stance on privacy is not nearly as good as Apple's. Yeah. Um, but but I'm just saying it is really disappointing when the basic stuff like just, you know, the, the call sign thing, you know, when you, you yell the thing out, when I'm holding my watch to my face – um, it, it's really disappointing when it does not hear me the first time. It, it's insane to me that it does not hear the first time. Whereas when music is playing, there's a lot of noise in the background and I yell shit across the room to, to the little echo thing that it hears it. That that's insane to me, um, that this world exists. Secondarily, um, what, if you don't use Siri a lot because it gets your query wrong a lot of the time, um, the, the Alexa thing is a lot better. Like, uh, most of the time when I say things, as long as th there's a few occasions when I get more esoteric where it doesn't get me. Um, but most of the times I'm impressed by how well it understands. See, versus... I've, I've never been a big fan of, of, uh, voice activated anything just because, uh, if you're an old school PC user, like, you know, that speech recognition software, like, is, 
only a little bit good and it used to take a lot of training so like there used to be certain like phrases it it would have you say like repeatedly and then switch to a different phrase just so it could try and catch like the nuances of your voice and whatnot and admittedly series better than that but only just so yeah training is optional on the um i have not trained anything on the echo um there is an option to train it. So presumably it'd get even better, but so far it's not misunder. Like I, I never get the feeling that it's misunderstanding my words. It's just misunderstanding the query. Um, and, and that's only happened very rarely. So I've I'm, I'm been pretty impressed with the thing so far. Um, but anyway, that that's the main thing, like where Apple's just announced at WWDC this last week that they have this HomePod thing, which is basically the competitor for the echo. Um, nice big speaker has Siri built in. Um, I have zero interest in it because Apple is so up its own ass that it will not integrate with anything, uh, um, or does not integrate with anything particularly well that I have no, like, I'm, I'm confident that if I bought the HomePod, it's not going to work with my Harmony shit. So there's no, like, that takes away a big piece of it. So like with, with Alexa right now, yeah, with, with this thing right now, I can, um, easily listen to Spotify. I can easily listen or turn on my TV to Plex. And have Plex, because Plex has an Alexa thing built in too, so I can say, you know, Alexa, play Batman vs. Superman Ultimate Edition on Plex, and it does it um, on my TV, so I don't have to e- even get up, don't have to know the remote is, it just does that thing. It, it, it does, it, it is starting to feel a little bit like um, in you Star Trek. trigger word. Yeah, I did. Uh, triggered a bunch of fuckers out there. Um, but You're anyway. Like, I don't have that. Yeah. But. At least that's not something that's going to charge them money. <laughs> no. But, um there's a uh it's getting to be a little bit like the star trek future where like computer what is the blah 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 like we're getting up to that and uh definitely the echo thing is way farther to that or closer to that than um siri is at this point so Here's- i don't know siri's supposed to be better HomePod's supposed to be way better at this stuff we'll see um but i'm just saying it, it's it's a little sad that um, the echo hit it out of the park, um, almost its first iteration. Whereas we're on like the sixth with Siri and it's not as good. Here's, here's my, um, my attempt at monetizing the podcast. Alexa sponsor the, whatever show. <laughs> That's a good effort. All right, guys, if you like the show and you want to tell us, uh, uh, more about that, or if you have some questions or feedback or whatever, you can hit us up on our various platforms. We are, uh, at whatever show on Twitter. Facebook.com slash whatever show questions at whatever dot co if you want to use the email thing. And if you are an Alexa, you know, dealer and you want to sponsor us, um, we are uh, sponsors at whatever dot co. We will also take your money if you're Reebok. Reebok, we are looking at you. Uh, we have been for something like almost 100 episodes now. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Also, I should mention that we've had a special guest this entire show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Wonder Woman actually has been here the entire time. Yeah, you can see her on our Instagram. I, I think that's also whatever show. Whatever show on yeah. Instagram. We we have we post prodigiously on Instagram. Go check that I out. I think we've easily put up like three pictures. Yeah, easily. Easily. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Later.